Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Hubert, <laughs> Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN 1000. Ah, busy day. Good morning. You're off to a great start. Stick around. We'll try to make your day. We'll try, Fred. We'll try to make your day a little better, right? We'll do our best. <laughs> we will do our best. As long as you're in, you're interested in sports, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Then, then, you know, you yeah. came to the right place. Well, we'll always try to do our best. I hope. That we can guarantee. We guarantee we're going to try to do our best. I'm Mike Murphy. We can't guarantee it'll be a good show. <laughs> we'll know more at noon. Right. He's Fred Hubner, and uh, busy day indeed. We're gonna we're gonna try to cover everything. A lot going on. Nothing I want to like really uh, hit you know for too long, Fred. So I think we should get rolling here. Our phone number, if you ever want to jump in and augment what we're uh, discussing or initiate and uh, seed the clouds 3323776 we're about 30 minutes away from one of the bigger bigger white Sox fans out there Sox fan fest john dewan yep. yeah stand of the week man man with the numbers big Sox fan and uh fred when uh, john's here i want you guys i'm just gonna sit a sit back and eavesdrop a little as a cub fan Sox Fest. I know you've already got some nuggets there. We'll get to in a few minutes and then more with John DeWan at 930 and throughout the rest of our uh, three-hour sports talk fest in the uh, 11 o'clock hour. We say, hey, Nick, Nicky Freak, take a little little rest. I know you're going to have a long night uh, with the Bulls. So Nick Friedel in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, gonna pepper in a few other items uh, for you between now and then. Three three two three seven seven six. And and the moment the Cubs make a move oh. to counteract what the Brewers did, we will let you know about it right here. You know, a lot of uh, casual fans, uh, inside the loop uh, baseball people, uh-huh. probably GMs themselves, they will say. Oh, no, no, no. We do not react to what other teams do. Right. Again, that's what they will say. That's what they'll tell you. I don't believe it. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. I'm with you. The, the, the Brewers did what? Yeah. Hey, Theo, did you see that? Oh, my. What the? Now. Well, we're not going to react to what Milwaukee does. We're just trying to make our team better. Now, granted, they, they, know, they know that they need a starting pitcher. Well, they better react <laughs> because let me tell you this. Okay, so the Brewers now they have three guys in the outfield that uh, you can almost call a you know a little wrecking crew. Yeah, if you wanted to, right? Yellish alone is uh, an unbelievable uh, pickup. Now Kane, uh, <clears throat> Lorenzo Kane, longtime KC center fielder. Here's a guy, and we won't stay long in this. We're going to scatter yeah. around, but yeah. since you tickled it, you tickled me, Fred. Uh, and you got Braun and left, Kane in, in center. Here's a guy, Kane, he's already going to be 32 years old come uh, May, I believe it is. Five-year deal. You know what goes first? The legs. Oh, your legs, right. He's a speed guy. Yeah. All right, you know, he's got a little pop. You know, he's got on base. Don't get me wrong, but he's a speed guy. So they give him five years at 16 times five, 80 million. Uh, it's, big, it's the biggest free agent deal in, so far this season. It's oh. the only one beyond three years. Okay. Every other deal has been three years or less. His was five mm-hmm. for 80. Right. And uh, he's coming off a nice season, 15, 49. Uh, stolen bases. Let's see, twenty six oh, no. stolen bases last I mean, year. He's doing it. Hit three hundred. He's doing it. Yep. I just don't want to be the guy that gets five years to a thirty two year old guy who was a speed game yeah. uh, leg guy. You know, but we'll see. Now they got six outfielders. Now the Brewers. Here's where we tie it back to the Cubs. 
Okay, they've been in the running for, uh, you know, Arietta, and they've been uh, going Darvish. after Darvish yep. and all the roundup, the usual suspects. Kyle, Alex, Kyle, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Now, they may not have the do-re-mi now after giving the, the uh, 80 right. mil. Though. that's probably the case. But they got six outfielders. Uh-huh. They got a young guy, I think his name Santana, had like 20, Mingo Santana. 25, 30 homers or something. Right. So a Braun. Now, Braun's got a big payday, big paycheck. Here's what Cubs and Theo, you better be worried about and react to if it happens. They're not going to care. They're going to trade one of these young outfielders yeah, or they got Braun. this kid Phillips, yeah. uh, and, yeah. an outfielder, yeah, that they have. Santana, they're not going to move. They may move Braun to the infield and and have him platoon with with uh, Eric Thames. They may trade Braun. Yeah. So they you got could. teams out. He's got a no trade, though. Well, that, that means nothing. Well, they buy him. The other team buys him out. Maybe he's tired of where he is. Okay, say the, uh, as you would say, say the Red Sox come a calling. Uh-huh. I just stole your best phrase. Yep. That is one of Fred's all time greatest. Or let's say the Dodgers come a calling. Sure. You know, Braun's going to say, all right. You know, I'll wave it to the, I'll wave the no trade or, right, or sweeten teams. it. Yeah. Leaven, leaven the mix with another couple million. Which I is can't ch- imagine anybody wanting to leave Milwaukee. <laughs> so yeah, with the broad stop and maters and all that stuff. Come on. Are you point kidding is, me? What if they, well, here's circle of wagons. What if the Brewers pick up another starting pitcher for Braun or yeah. for Santana or Phillips? I'm saying this. The Cardinals also are a team you have to watch. In, in fact, uh, who was I listening to this week? Uh, was it, uh, yeah, it was a Mad Vascursion. Uh, EO11, uh, my screen arrow, my cursors, let me try this here. Uh, okay, I got it back now. Thank you. So, uh, Mad Vascursion. The new ESPN Sunday Night Game yeah, broadcaster. Yeah, it's going to be great. So, he was, uh, he was doing uh, a few minutes on the air here. He was with Cameron and York. He was on at 106 yesterday. Yeah. And uh, uh, the boys, uh, Carm, I think, uh, said, uh, well, you know, should the Cubs be, uh, you know, worried about the, the Brewers? And uh, he said, well, uh, well, here, let's listen. I still think the Cardinals are the, the better looking team on paper. Okay. One man's opinion. Don't don't hate me in uh, <laughs> Chicago. But I, I just think and especially I still think that the Hosmer sweepstakes are going to blow their way. And they move Matt Carpenter to the uh, to back to second base. Hmm. I just I, I think the Cardinals are so good. Their starting pitching is the best in the division, I believe. Sure, they have some bullpen things to iron out, but I think the Cardinals are the better-looking team on paper. But it is. It's three teams that could win 90 games in that division, and that's that's going to be a fun summer. All right, but don't worry about the Cubs because yeah. they're going to be just fine. That's what everybody tells me. They need to get another starter. Oh, and yeah. I saw Phil Rogers on the MLB Network this week like saying, saying that if you think about it, the Cubs actually have their five starters if they wanted to right Montgomery? now. Montgomery? Well, yeah. I love Phil Rogers, but he's out of there. Well, nice. they they could go with him, but for oh, some sure they reason could. they could go with you. For some reason, they don't want to make him their starter. I, I mean, he wants to be the starter. He yeah. told them in the off season he wants to be their number five starter, but apparently they're not listening and they're not interested. No, he doesn't look to me like he'll ever be a seven inning guy. I know he had a couple outings where he went seven. It's okay. All you knew you have to do is five with uh, with Joe Madden. He doesn't yeah. care about seven. Yeah, then you shoot a. Blank out of your well, bullpen. That's what you know. <laughs> what the numbers show. Hey, let's get to the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll for this uh, hour, for this half hour. I'm sorry. Who will be in the playoffs first, A or B? All right. Who will be in the playoffs first? Your uh, Chicago White Sox or your Chicago Bulls? Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Who will be in the playoffs first, White Sox or Bulls? And Fred, even after I compose this, 
I, I couldn't decide who to vote for. Yeah, it's a little more difficult, I think, because yeah. you have it um, in the NBA. You've got eight teams in each each conference. Exactly. So you have sixteen yeah. teams mm-hmm. going to the playoffs. Where in baseball, you have ten. Right. So it makes it a little more difficult, I think, uh, to make the postseason. But um, yeah, Those... let's take, let's kick it around a minute. Yeah. Because I'm still sort of, and I hate to, you know. Oh, in sports talk radio, you have to have a hot take. You can't ever say, boy, I'm not sure. I'm on the fence. I got to think about that. Why not? Yeah. Why do you have to have a hot take on everything? Right. Can you tell me that? No, I don't know, actually. How about fans that say, Let's blame the millennials. All right. Let's blame them for everything else. Blame Canada. (laughs) Remember that? Blame Canada. Right. Uh You know who loves to sing karma? You can comment. I love karma. Lives right out in my old stomping grounds out there by Lions Township High School. You get you get Carmen anywhere near a microphone and any opening to get in there. If there's a song, that he'll he's got a good voice. He'll start singing. He must not have that clause in his contract. No, no singing allowed. Uh-uh. He must have a great agent. Yeah. Well, I gotta be able to sing. And he does. Three three two three seven seven six. Hot take, warm take, cold take. By the way, that's a segment coming up next hour. Okay. Yeah. Remember, like the three uh, there, the, my, my uh, porridge was too hot, my yeah, ice too cold. Too hot, too just, cold, just, just right. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, what? Who will be in the playoffs first? White Sox or Bulls? Here's what I came down to I have the White Sox October of 2020. Now, 2018 now, 2019, I think the Sox. Could either be a wild card or win the division by 20, October 2020. I'm going a year earlier. All right. All right. 19. I have the Bulls, and this is what you said, the NBA. Yeah. You know, eight deep out of 15, right? They're only seven games out of the, the, the eighth spot now. They moved from nine to, to seven last night, oh, I did, thought. Yeah. After the game, at least, that's what uh, Mark Chanowski said, I think. The Bulls. Oh, uh, in the draft, in the draft order. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Right yeah, in I'm the con- draft yeah, order, no, they right. moved from from seven to, uh, from nine to seven. Yeah, they moved up. Right, they moved up with down. their loss. Right. right. Yeah, but you look at their <laughs> you look at their standings no, right no, now right, yeah. in the Eastern Conference, and right yeah. now they have a uh, eighteen and thirty one record. Yes. So they are eight games behind Indiana for the final playoff spot. They're only three and a half away from Atlanta in the worst record. All so, right. so they did move up. In ping pong balls by uh, losing last so, night yeah, from so, nine up to seventh. Uh, if the ball is mathematically and all that, you're all in on tanking again. Even though I saw a cut with uh, John Paxson who was talking with Will Purdue, and he said we don't, we didn't plan on tanking. We just knew we weren't going to win many games with a young, young team. He said tanking, but. They didn't plan on it. He said they didn't plan on tanking. Mm-hmm. They just knew that they were not going to win a lot of games because of the youngness of the team this year. Who and will, that, that may be the case. And now with Chris Dunn out, they're one and three without Dunn in the lineup. I mean, I'm going to have Nick Friedel in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh-huh. See, this concussion thing is, for lack of a better word, tricky. Yep. Like my mom. When's he coming back? She loves watching the Bulls. I said... Well, you don't know. You know, Nobody this knows. guy fell ten feet on his head. Yep, on his face. Well, yeah. Yeah. I thought they were joking the first and right in the press conference right after that game when I don't know was it uh, Hoiberg first said there were teeth marks in the floor. Yeah, and then Nick. I thought I that was Nick a joke. The same thing. Yeah, not a joke, but I thought it was. You know, oh, well, he probably left. He did. I guess yeah, he did. Yeah. So here's the question: 
We'll ask Nick. He won't. I mean, there's no answer. Has anyone said it could be career ending or career threatening? No one said that. Yeah, no one has said that as far as I know. No, I hope not. Yeah. I mean, but... They say he's still groggy. He's still... Yeah, headaches. Yeah, headaches, grogginess. It. it makes it real difficult. So... Who was the... Who was the guy with the motorcycle that wiped out the Bulls' first pick about 15 years Jason, ago? Jason Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Gone. Yep. Like a D. Rose. I mean, you know, you never know. No, no, you never know. This how, guy done. Guy's be I mean, he's part of the big three that's so important. And... Hopefully he's back. You know, you're reading that. He definitely won't be playing uh, Saturday. Yeah. Okay. We know that. I mean, we figured that. He's still got headaches. He's supposed to be playing in the uh, one of the all-star game oh, things. Was, that's by the rising stars. The rising yep. stars. That's, that's not what it ha- is. happening. Yeah, the problem was he rose too high, and then he hung on to the rim. and Not Derek Rose. No. He's not playing either. Derek came back, what, too soon? He got fatigued and left the game last night? or He's tired after being out for a while. So... Yeah. So LeBron had to come back in early in the fourth quarter because Rose had to tap out or, you know, touch his helmet on the top or whatever you call it in the NBA. So did you see uh, LeBron had a quadruple double last night? Oh, did you, he really? If you count turnovers. Oh, well, yeah. you do. They count. Well, then he had a, because a lot of the reports said, oh, LeBron James, uh, the Cavs won by like about three points. LeBron ends up playing 40 minutes. He uh, played all but like seven uh, seconds or something in the fourth quarter. So he's out there running on fumes. And uh, he has his uh, triple, uh, triple double. And then the, <laughs> the turnover, he had 26 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, and 11 turnovers. He played 40 minutes, all but seven seconds of the fourth period after Rose asked to be subbed out uh, to start early in the, or to start the fourth period due to fatigue. So, but they did win the game, one fifteen yep. to a one hundred eight over the Pacers. Did you mention uh, the dreaded word tanking a few minutes ago? I did. We have a soundbite here, something I we don't normally do. We're going to play something on the air. I haven't heard it. Okay. But uh, I saw the soundbite in the uh, sound bank here from, I guess, yesterday. Uh, Super agent MLB Scott Boris, right? And a lot of people, I hate that guy. Well, you know, unless uh, unless he's your agent, then you love him usually. Yeah, that's why people people use him. Yeah, people. Well, right now, I'd love to have... (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to be at his phone all of a sudden, or at his office, all yeah. of a sudden you hear the mm-hmm. secretary. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Boris, we have a phone call from a Jake Arietta. Yeah. Uh, tell him I can't make it right now. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Morris, uh, there's a J.D. Martinez on the phone. He'd like to know what's going on with his uh, contract and who's interested. Uh, I'll get back to him when I uh, know something. Hey, so me, I can just imagine I'm it. glad you brought that. Let me ask you something about collusion. Can the players... Okay, yeah. Oh, collusion. Those owners. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a it's a borderline collusion. Those on they may not have made phone calls. They may not have been dumb enough to text, uh, but they're in cahoots, which is you know illegal. Right. Uh, by uh, uh, anti-competitive uh, laws. So you're not supposed to ever work right. in concert. Right. With especially somebody. when you have an antitrust exemption, you're not allowed to work in concert. Yeah. Yeah. Most I guess you can most times anyway. But how come you never hear the uh, flip side of the coin? You know, okay, say this, Fred. What if, what if a guy like Scott Boris or a super agent 
Actually, okay, there's 750 ball players in right. the big leagues. Uh-huh. 30 teams times 25. Even I can do that in my head. Let's say one agent had all 750 players okay. somehow. Yeah. They all went to He cornered the market. Sure. Even though now Boris, he's probably got, or his agency, my gosh, he's probably got 50, 100. I'm just guessing. But oh, you, know, you only hear about the big names. Because yeah. that's all he really wants. Right. But, what if he's actually the one that is in collusion? See, I'm not saying I'm saying that. I'm just, you never hear that. No, You he never hear he, that option no, out there. He's, Maybe he's the one that's causing the problem. He's probably telling all of his guys, listen, don't sign unless you get a deal right. for, for, worth, you know, for more than five years. And um, I actually think the owners are all doing the right thing because uh, and I tried to talk about this earlier this week, and you you, you uh, sent me an email and, and corrected me, but the... You know, when you come to the big leagues, they teams have control of you for six years. You're locked up. Unless you come in 12 games into the season, then there's actually seven years. Right. There's so many, like, yeah. man days or <laughs> yeah. whatever the union uh, right. phrases. Right. So, like, with Chris Bryant. or whatever. So, with Chris Bryant, you actually get, like, a seventh year. Right, because they waited uh, 15 12, yeah. man days right. and brought him up mid-late April and then... Uh, he was not a six-year man at the end of his six year. He was a five-year, right. five-month man or whatever. So, yeah. so when his contract is up, he'll be 30. He's going to look for a big, huge deal. Are you going to pay him the way he hit when he was 24, 25, 26? How much better can he possibly be at 30 than he is now? But he's going to want money to say that, you know, he's going to want money for his past performances as opposed to what he's going to get. These owners are smart because they're saying, listen, we'll give you a three-year deal or a four-year deal. Milwaukee screwed things up by giving a five-year deal to Lorenzo Cain. But I think the owners, none of the owners should give more than three or four. Because, you know, once they have to start paying more, it's just the fourth year of deals with team with players. And then... yeah. Four years, you know, when it gets to their free agent time, they're 30 and they want to get paid like they're 26. But here's the other thing. I wouldn't thing. pay any of them. Now, the Cubs... That's why I love collusion. Now, the if Cubs, I was an owner, don't pay any of them. Oh. If no owners paid any of them, they'd all have to come down. Jesse. Jesse has a hot take. It's not pure collusion, but it is a form of collusion. It is absolutely a form of collusion. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I love Jesse. He's my favorite guy. Jesse was my producer uh, in 1992. Young pup out of uh, NIU. Great guy, great producer, great on-the-air guy. And sometimes Jesse has a way of making you go, wait, wait, stop the tape. What what did you say? It's not pure collusion, but it is a form of collusion. It is absolutely a form of collusion. It may not be punishable, but it is, and maybe this is the new normal. And here's the bottom line. Agents have to tell their players, if this is the new normal, then you cannot look at David Price's contract or Jason Hayward's contract and hold me to that standard. I'm talking about me being the agent. And that's what's going on. Players are saying, wait a minute, David Price got all this money at 30 years old. Why can't I? Well, they can't force all the owners to spend, so these agents have to explain to the players it's the new normal, and there's not much we can do. It, it's actually a great hot take. It, re- it really is. It makes, it makes complete sense. Well, yeah. the, the owners aren't the owners aren't stupid. They all made their money one way or another, but they made a lot of money in order to buy a team. But again, Fred, excuse me. Let's flip the coin. The owners are saying, "All right, 
I'm each owner individually. Right. I'm not, you know, alluding to collusion, even though Jesse said it is, but it isn't. Each owner is saying to himself and uh, their their management yeah. team at the Sox, and they say, right, listen, we're not going over this number for that particular guy. We're not uh, going over this many years right. for that same particular guy. However, the agent is also saying, we're not going below this figure. Sure. And we're not going fewer than these many years. So how come no one's saying that the uh, agents aren't all in collusion? See, because they don't have the power. Well, the only, well, they have the power of they, holding out. Yeah, they do. But uh, eventually, their players are going to, like I said, the phone calls, you know, he's going to eventually have to get back to Jake Arrieta and J.D. Martinez and say, right. listen, you don't have an offer that's more than four years, $100 million. What do you want to do? Well, you th- could sit out yeah, right. and wait till next year. So they don't have the power. They can only do so much where the owners. Well, they have. Here's what you're right. The players and the uh, agents, they have power, but not as much as no. the guy with the checkbook. Not nearly as much. So it's a game of chicken. It's a waiting game. How do you think David Price feels being made of take made example yeah. of? Yeah. Well, I got all my money, and I suck. All right. So <laughs> here we're going to go. Now, we have this cut here. I, I haven't heard. I always try to hear the cuts before the show. As uh, you know, Fred, we want to sort of know where we're going. I've but, heard it. You're gonna. Oh, you're you gonna have like this one. I think. All right. So I was intrigued to see we have a cut. Scott Boris, uh, he has a, a idea, an idea, a rule to stop tanking. Now there's no one. Oh, Murph! No, don't say it again. You one trick pony. I hate tanking, and the whole problem is is the way the draft is structured. Right. And to blame tanking is wrong because. That's the system. A guy like Theo Epstein, he gamed the system. Yeah, he did. He, he did because the, the system is wrong. The draft is wrong. I'm not going to go into that anymore because you've heard me. Uh, yeah, no, he basically. Ad the infinitum, Cubs, hopefully the Cubs, add, not ad nauseum. The Cubs and the Astros and the Royals, they, they played it by yeah. the rules, by the right. letter of the law. But a lot so. of teams have done it or will be doing it. And again, the old uh, one-liner of mine, if, if, you know, 28 of 30 teams tank. In, say, uh, you know, the NBA, what do you got? You got a bad league. You got a problem. Yeah. All right. Now, Scott Boris, he's got a rule here. To st- now, he doesn't like tanking, I guess. He was on the Michael K. show on ESPN All right. in New York. All right. We need to have a system, a resolution, where, because people talk about floors. I don't believe in floors in sport. In the NBA, that hasn't worked and such. What I do believe, though, is that you have to have a fan base and an integrity in the game that says you have incentive to win. So you put in the rule of 42. If you're not winning 42% of your games, the very draft picks they covet, they don't get a chance to get the one through five, fifth pick. They have to, if you, could, if you don't win at least 69, 68 or more games, you are, you are not getting a chance at the fifth pick. But what if you're legitimately bad, Scott, and you really have earned that? You tried to put a team together and there are injuries and you, you won 65 games. You're kind of getting stiffed with that rule. Well, the, no, the, the thing of that is, though, that's, that's the point, is that you have to have the depth and you have to pursue talent so you don't fall into that. All right. What he's saying there is sort of a uh, middle of the road, right. m- mash it together. What uh, uh, many people I've been saying, Fred, and uh, I think I first, to give him full credit, I think I first heard Len Casper, but, you know, maybe he read it somewhere. It doesn't matter who came up with it first. I like the idea, and we've talked about it, where any sport, you make the playoffs, okay, then you obviously draft at the bottom. If you're one of the 16 teams in the NBA that makes the playoffs, 
you get uh, one of the bottom right. uh, 16 picks. If you finish ninth in the uh, Eastern Conference NBA, you tried, you worked, you played hard, you just missed the playoffs, well, then you're the team that gets to draft number one or number two. Right. Because you didn't tank, you tried. So the team that finishes 15th in the East, 15th in the West, they would draft... Uh, last again, uh, after the 16 that, that had made it. So you would draft whatever that would be, or 15th or 14th. Right. You end up going to 8th or 9th or 10th or yeah. whatever. But the only, the but only, you don't get the first pick, right. pick when you finish last. The only problem with that is, yeah. uh, then the, some of those bottom teams will never get better. They'll be perennial cellar dwellers. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, I know. Remember I, the no, old expression is the way the cookie crumbles? Yeah. You don't hear that anymore. I don't think it's politically correct. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That's not fair. The cookies have uh, have rallied <laughs> against that. Um, but the, the one thing is, and I've, I've brought it up uh, before, other people have brought it up, and people in the United States don't want to hear it. There's a great concept in the rest of the world with their biggest sport known as soccer uh-huh. because oh, the, the, best. Bottom, the bottom three teams in the division – or in the Premier League, the bottom three teams get sent down to the lower league, which mm-hmm. means they make they have a less TV exposure, they have less money from TVs, they are less of a club. Then they have to battle their way back. So each team will play as hard as they can all season long because they don't want to be one of those bottom teams. <laughs> now they do it here in Chicago in softball. If you're not good and you yeah. finish in the bottom of the A League, you get dropped to the B League. Right. Okay? But it's nothing that will ever work in in sports in the United States. Unfortunately, because it would be great to have baseball split into two divisions. An upper and a lower division. Lower division doesn't get as many games on Fox and ESPN. They get less TV money. So than the, the other ones. Iowa Cubs would be the Chicago Cubs, and the Chicago Cubs would be the Iowa Cubs. Well, you could either do it that way. <laughs> you could either do it that way, or you could split up the major leagues the way it is. Let's find out what the results were for our uh, first half hour Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll, which was who will be in the playoffs first? White Sox, Bulls. I figure the White Sox will be October 2020, which means I had the Bulls coming in on uh, the playoffs June of 2020. That's if uh, Chris Dunn is fine. I had them in the playoffs about six months uh, before the White Sox. Fred, you moved your White Sox uh, up to the 2019 October. So are uh, you voting uh, Sox or Bulls? I still think the Bulls will make it before them. Oh, I think the Bulls could possibly June make it next year. Because there's so many teams in the so many teams in the playoffs in the uh, NBA. Let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. Eric, uh, what the fans say, please? Seventy-one percent of the fans said the Bulls will make the playoffs before the White Sox. Interesting. Yeah, we'll kick that around a little more. Nick Friedel in the eleven o'clock hour. Little White Sox talk next as we uh, will visit with the man with the numbers, the stat of the week man, and big White Sox fan. Uh, John DeWine. So stick around. Back in a flash, as Jesse would say. It's not pure collusion, but it is a form of collusion. It is absolutely... (laughs) Okay, thank you, Jesse. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Welcome back, everybody. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Sox Fez this weekend. One minute away from John DeWine. The man with the numbers, White Sox fan John DeWine. We'll have uh, Nick Friedel in the 11 o'clock hour talking about your uh, Chicago Bulls. Uh, before we uh, get to the man with all the numbers over there at statoftheweek.com, 
Let's take a look at our Murph and Fred uh, Twitter poll for this half hour. Ooh, all right. Bill James. Everyone knows Bill James, right? Fred, have heard heard of him? Uh, Bill James, the godfather of stats. All right. Bill James, godfather of stats. Vote now at ESPN 1000, yes or no. Bill James should be in the Major League, the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Let's go in to the uh, number two godfather of stats. Maybe if we <laughs> welcome to the machine. if we can get Bill James in the Hall of Fame and John DeWan will be next. It's Murph and Fred. Good morning, Johnson. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, that's a big fat yes for Bill James in the Hall of Fame. What he has done going back to the 70s and 80s and bringing analytics into the world of baseball, there is absolutely no question about it. He is the best well, well, Bill we're James. Gonna, we're not going to argue with you. And, uh, right. <laughs> and and John Dewan's much too modest, but John's uh, uh, right there, number two on uh, on my list and most lists. But when you look at what, and I think Paul Sullivan wrote about this uh, sort of this week also. John Dewan, when you look at historic changes in baseball, monumental changes. There's Jackie Robinson, and then and then what? Um, the DH now was shifting. Well, that's because, and you look back over the last 20, 30 years, a guy like Bill James and then guys like you, uh, there has not been a bigger sea change movement in the history of any sport and baseball being so laden with stats. You could make an argument that it might be, you know, other than uh, Jackie Robinson uh, in 1947, what's a bigger uh, movement in the history of baseball? And therefore, why isn't Bill James in one of the uh, wings of, of the Hall of Fame, John? Or has it been talked about and I haven't really been up to speed? Or where do we stand? Or what can we do? What can you do? You're the guy. Why can't you start the campaign? People campaign for this player, for that player. How do we orchestrate a campaign? Well, there is no question about it. Uh, that's a great idea. We should orchestrate a campaign. And I love that that question's uh, part of the poll. That's fantastic. So, uh uh, yeah, there's there's no question. He's made a big difference, and um, and it's been fun working with him. I've worked with him for over 30 years now, and uh, he is an absolute, complete, and total genius. He knows so much. I mean, he, he has forgotten a hundred times more <laughs> about baseball than I would could ever know. He's amazing. The entire game, Fred, the entire game has changed. You watch on TV, they got numbers for everything, the front offices. Now, there's talk, John, that since all 30 baseball teams, you know, just when when Jim Hendry was here, they didn't give him a budget. He had like two analytical guys, two, uh, you know, just six, seven, eight years ago, right. two guys. Yeah. Now, and they didn't even have their own computer. No, and right, or a, they didn't or have a name for it. They didn't have Ivy uh-huh. or uh, was it Carmine? But John, and you know this as well as anybody. Uh, back when you started doing numbers, as uh, we used to joke, you know, on a card table in your basement on the northwest side of Chicago many years ago, and. Uh, 
uh, you would uh, go to the Sox and the Cubs front offices, and most of those people are long retired and gone, so I don't think we have to worry about you embarrassing or anything. What used to happen, John? You can tell the truth now after all these years when you would go to uh, major league teams in general and say, hey, I got some numbers here. It's got a thing called on-base percentage. Would they say, come on up. I want to look at that. Is that That's probably what they did, right? Well, I, I have two things about that. First of all, the White Sox have always been very progressive in analytics. And <clears throat> the White Sox have been my client going back to 1985. So it's, they have always been progressive and, and, and thinking in this way. Uh, the funny story is the Cubs and Dallas Green. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I was out of town, and the meeting took place. Um, and... Who went to that meeting? My partner, Bob Meyerhoff, and my wife, who was heavily involved with setting up all the computers at STATS from day one, went to that meeting with Dallas Green. And they were, you know, they, it, was, it was very polite, but they were run out of there very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split yeah, you. Dallas, exactly. Dallas had no use for those, I guess, those numbers. No, he didn't. He didn't. And that was the, uh, that's how it was. I mean, for, for, you know, literally years and years and years, for the history of baseball until the early 2000s when <laughs> teams really started to get the picture of how important the analytics are in addition to the scouting, it's not instead of the scouting, it's in addition to the scouting. So the analytics mixed with the scouting is what gives you the, the best information possible. So uh, White Sox Fest this week, uh, in one minute we'll get to, to some White Sox, Fred De Hubner and John Dewan. I'm not a sandwich between two great, great White Sox fans, but a little final note on uh, that last topic there, John Dewan and Fred. There's talk now, which... I sort of thought about this many years ago. I said the day will come when all 30 teams will have 50 people like the Cubs. You know, they went from the two I was talking about with Jim Henry. They, they got to have 25 full-time, maybe more right now. Point is, the day will come and it's here now when all 30 teams have complete departments. They've all basically got the same numbers now to look at, unlike when the Red Sox learned about uh, on base and uh, Kevin Euclid, the Greek god of walks. Remember that many years ago? <laughs> oh, absolutely. On yes, base percentage. Yeah, he doesn't look like much, but he walks a lot and, you know, it turned out to be. So. John, when all 30 teams, like I'm assuming now in baseball, have maxed out 25, you know, brilliant guys uh, in their analytics department, is it harder than ever now? I got to guess yes, but what do you think to get an edge on the other teams? Well, it is not harder than ever. It is, it is, there's more available to you. There, it will never end. The data that you can use and, uh, and analyze and make use of will never end. Um, you know, at some point we're going to be mixing in things like clubhouse chemistry, and we're going to be able to measure that in conjunction with actual playing stats. It, it will never end, and there will always be teams that are doing a better job of it than others simply because they happen to spend more time at it mm. or they've hired the, you know, the better guys who can do the analytics in a better way or who can tame the computers to produce the information uh, so it will never end. There, there will, there will, the information will continue to grow. Uh, you know, we have this thing called StatCast now, which provides billions of pieces of information, you know, literally at, uh, for every game. And 
the analytics are way behind the data. There's the analytics wow. will never get caught up to the data. Uh, so if we stop producing new information now, we would be we'd have enough material for you know decades, literally, just analyzing the the data that we currently have and, and finding edges and finding a way to work with players to make them better and work with strategies. It will never end, Murph. It's, it, it has never ended. I mean, literally, you know, <laughs> baseball has been around for how many years? And the numbers in baseball have always been there. Or those teams could just either go to John DeWan's standoftheweek.com or baseballinfosolutions.com. <laughs> White Sox! White Sox! Go, go, Sit on Fred. I'm sorry, John. This is where Fred dances around as the polka around our table here at Staten Lake. White Sox fan Fred and uh, White Sox fan John DeWan. Uh, I'm going to uh, eavesdrop a little bit uh, as Sox Fest is uh, roaring right now. You know, Dan, um, you know, uh, John, you mentioned something with the clubhouse um, camaraderie. And I was wondering this because when the Cubs in 2016 were winners and other teams, they said, well, listen, we, we came up through the system together. And as a result, we were, we had a nicer, a tighter bond when we got here to the big leagues and that helped us win. One of the things I'm seeing at Sox Fest from everybody is that these guys apparently love being with each other. I mean, you know, Yoan Moncada at the hitting camp, um, all of a sudden Ricky Renteria was going to go talk to Louis, Louis Robert and Moncada goes, don't worry, coach, I got it. And he went in and he talked to him. He was putting balls on the tee for him. How, how would you even come up with a stat that figures out what clubhouse camaraderie and how important that is to a team? Because if it is important, it seems like what the White Sox have growing right now is really a good thing. So, uh, you know, I, I, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of a stat, um, but, you know, how many times did a teammate place the ball on the tee? How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that that might be a little too simplistic, but uh, uh, I can tell you this: um, Bill James, you know, he's done all his analytics, and then it took forever for a team to really realize they can make use of his expertise. Mm. And so he he joined the Red Sox, and boom, 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 they win championships. It's not it it is not coincidental, right? Um, but one of the things he has said to me on multiple occasions is the amount of respect that he has for the scouts and the amount of respect that he has for the concept of chemistry, team chemistry. He, you know, before getting involved with the team, he didn't really know it that well. He had a sense of it, but he didn't know the importance of team chemistry. And, you know, on multiple occasions in our conversations, he would, you know, relate to me how the chemistry of the Red Sox team it was a huge element in their winning championships. Sure. John Dewan, I'm sure you got a stat or two up your sleeve for the Sox fans that if they're not already at Sox Fest or driving there now. I'll lay some of those Sox numbers on our uh, uh, my partner Fred here. All right, wonderful. In honor of Sox Fest, I have three for the price of one, Murph. Uh, nice. Fred. So here's what we got. Um, all right, think pitching, think ERA leaders, second half, ERA ERA leaders in Major League Baseball, all right? 165 pitchers had seven or more starts in the second half last year. I'm going to give you the top seven ERA leaders in baseball in the second half. All right. Lay it on me. Steven Strasburg lights out 0.86 ERA. Corey Kluber, Indians, 1.79. Remember, he went on that incredible streak. Uh 1.79 ERA. 
World champion Astro Justin Verlander, 1.95 ERA. These are the elite, right? These are the best pitchers in baseball, and they had the best second-half ERA last year. Now it gets interesting, really interesting. Number four, Kyle Hendricks, 2.19 ERA. Number five, Jake Arrieta, 2.28 ERA. Tied with Jake Arrieta, Yankees ace, Luis Severino. And number seven, Lucas Giolito, 2.38 ERA, Chicago White Sox, major, <laughs> major stud, up and coming, Murph and Fred. How about that? That's pretty amazing, second half of the season. He actually said it uh, at SoxFest yesterday, it's great to come to an event where he no longer has to be called the prospect Lucas Giolito because he actually pitched last year in the big leagues and made a name for himself, and now he's in the rotation as opposed to a prospect that could possibly be in the rotation. But that's a great number, 2.38 in the second half. That's great stuff. Hey, yeah. So we don't get boxed in, John. Let's go to number two, please. All right, number two, early returns on Yoan Moncada's defense. Hmm. You know, I, I specialize in defense. and uh, Fielding you know, Bible. Eight. Yep. He did make eight errors, but everybody knows these days that's not what defense is all about. That's only a small part of it. And nowadays we have the tools and the numbers to measure it. So defensive runs saved for the entire season, even though he only played in 54 games, Yuan Mankata was number three Jeez. in all of baseball with six defensive runs saved. And if you project that out over a season, he would easily have won. The number one and two guys were tied. DJ LeMahieu for the uh, Colorado Rockies. Hey, he used, to play, he used to play for the Cubs. Yeah, Theo never saw him and read the uh, <laughs> scouting numbers from uh, Carmine, his Red Sox. Stuff. I get rid of that guy. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Fred, open the door. I, I love DJ LeMahieu. Every time I hear that name, I just go crazy. Okay, so <laughs> con- continue. He's a ball player. Yeah. yeah. And the, tied with the number one uh, defensive run saved at second base last year was another kind of part-time player with eight defensive runs saved. Yalmer Sanchez, Chicago White Sox. Wow. So That's the amazing. White Sox in part-time play had the second and third best, or the first and third best amazing. Uh, defenders at second base. So that's a really good sign for, for Yohan Makata in the future. Big of time. The White Sox. That's big time. I that wouldn't have dreamed, you know, I never dreamed that. Uh, you know, you watch the games. That I'm so glad to. It almost reminds uh, from two years ago when Javi Baez had like half a season uh, at second base and still had more defensive runs saved. Which, I thought he was going to say Baez. Which is actually. one of uh, John, yeah. the ones at the uh, FieldingBible.com numbers. Yep. All right, John, uh, your third and final. Three for one. I like this deal. Uh, Go. All right. <laughs> so this is, this is kudos to the White Sox analytics department. So you know that uh, major league teams have found the religion that I was was trying to uh, proselytize, and that is shifting saves runs. And we can measure how many runs shifting saves. Uh, so the uh, the leaders in shift runs saved last year. These are teams that are you know some of the best in baseball. Uh, the Rays were number one with thirty. The Indians number two with twenty four. The Brewers, number 23, I mean, third with 23. And the champion, Houston Astros, mm. number four with 18. 
And here we are, number five and number six. Number five, the Chicago White Sox with 17 runs saved. Wow. And the Chicago Cubs with 16 runs saved as a result of shifting. So it's uh, good to see that analytics is playing a part in these uh, front offices, and it's making a difference in, in teams winning ball games. Hey, John, I'll give you one uh, more for that. From the uh, Bill James Handbook, which uh, you got to have, and I know you do. They're available right now. <laughs> Was this. Robin Ventura in 2016, and then Rick Renteria uh, last year, shifting. Ready? Robin Ventura's final year with the White Sox, 783 times they shifted. That was 13th out of 15 in the AL, way, way down low. Last year, Rick Renteria shifting. Uh, Robin was 783. Renteria, 1,490, almost double. Now, I don't know if Robin was sleeping or just didn't like the shift. It's the same front office guys pretty much, so I don't think like Renteria got all new numbers out of the thin air. So Rob, Robin didn't shift. Renteria doubled the shifting, and look what it did, right? Yeah, it does make a difference, Murph. And, you know, it's it's just it's a matter of personal preference to some extent that people aren't ready for some of the analytics at times. And it's understandable because, if you, you, did, you know, he was an infielder and he yeah. didn't play the shift when he was playing. So <laughs> I'm talking about Ventura. Yeah. So, it, you know, it takes a while and... Uh, but uh, you know they get the, they got the religion, so it's it's awesome. I don't love talk it. don't talk about that shifting around Joe Girardi. He wants to get rid of it. <laughs> it's John DeWine, <laughs> statoftheweek.com. I love it every week. Check out statoftheweek.com. John, let's start rolling the ball on Bill James for the Hall of Fame. And next time you can tell us how Jim Fry, how much he enjoyed probably as the GM when you'd come by with your numbers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was good. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, thanks John. John. Socks Fest, Socks Talk, Murph and Fred. Hey, Nick Friedell in the 11 o'clock hour. Busy, uh, guest-free from 10 to 11. Lots to cover back in a flash. We are ESPN 1000. Get out of here with those numbers. Welcome back. Saturday morning in Chicago. That means Murph and Fred. Hope you're having a nice day. Busy day. Got a lot planned for you between now and noon as you jump in and out of the car running errands or if you're at home just doing some work. I had to take my car in, Fred, for the admissions test. Yep. Got the thing, you know, the little thing in the mail. So I go over to, I've been going for years in Tinley, Tinley Park. Near Harlem and whatever, you know, and I sure. pull in, drive over, and like it's 10 in the morning, middle of the week, and this will be a piece of cake, right? Yeah. You're thinking that many people there, right? Always. There's always people no, there. No, there was nobody there. You know why? It was closed? Yeah, gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so, that, that's about what happens, because one by, the one I go to is out in Naperville, yeah. just off Aurora Avenue, always just Always packed. So here, always so, a twenty-minute wait. So least. you know, I'm on my phone. There's a www.illinoisairteam.com. You think it'd be .gov? .com. So I'm trying to do this, and you know, I'm sort of upset because I planned. Oh, this is great. My whole day, I'm going to be out. So, okay, big one out in uh, Joliet. Yeah, I'm going for a mall. Uh-huh. Yeah, Tinley Park at Joliet. No, and the other one was somewhere or the other way. For, so, and then it, there's a little thing that says, "Click here for other uh, locations." So I clicked there, 
and there's a place one town over to Homer Glen. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Interstate 80, you know, sort of near uh, Lagrange Road out, out that way. Yeah. Wolf Road. And uh, so it says like 158, 29 South. Yeah, good luck. Bell Road. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay, fine. So I go over there and there's nothing. But then I look way back, about two, three, uh, two blocks back off of That's where it is. Bell. They're all hidden. No, oh, it's a little mom and pop. Yeah. It's, you know, Bob's Mechanics. Or and they do B- it there. Bob's huh? Bell Road uh, Mechanic. Hold it, Bob Bell, wasn't he the bozo? <laughs> so I pull in there, and there's it's like, it's like a two little, two bays are working on someone's a brake job and an oil. And it's funny, the door comes up, the kid comes out, he says, uh... Air team, uh, you know, emissions. I go, yeah. yeah. He goes, all right, here, doom, doom. He does uh, pull in. He gets in the car. I sit in the passenger Boom, 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 30 seconds. Boom. He says, here, you passed. Yeah. Then he hands me the ad for we do oil change, all this stuff. You just go to the local guy now. It's fabulous. See, I didn't know that you could go to any local guy. Yeah, well, no, you they, they no, got to have one their, of theirs. Right, one of yeah, theirs. You got to yeah. click on. Uh, Anyway, made, it was wonderful. I thought, oh, no, i got to now drive 30 miles somewhere. I'm going to Naperville. Let's and that was another Murph <laughs> moment. EO 11. Let's bring EO 11. Eric, what do we have for the results of our uh, poll from the last half hour? Uh, Bill James, godfather of stats. Yes or no, should be in the baseball in the Hall of Fame. Oh, please. I'm going to rely on our great listeners. It's got to be like 80, 90% yes. I always worry, though. What do we have, Eric? 60% say yes. So 40%. 40% of you said, no, the guy that's revolutionized the game over the last 20, 30 years is not worthy of uh, being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we got to work on this. Yep. Hey, we're a little behind back in a flash. 10 o'clock hour, guest-free phones, tons of topics. Nick Friedel in the 11 o'clock hour. We're busy. Got to step aside right now. Right, Jesse? Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. One hour down, two hours to go. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, ESPN Chicago. We're like at the 33 uh, and one foot yard line. 33 and a third. Right. That's exactly right. We got 66 uh, yards and uh, two feet to go. Yep. Speaking of, I got to buy a new turntable. Thinking of, speaking about that, sure. Yeah, we got all this vinyl that I saved and never yeah. threw away. Vinyl's back, and I got to buy a new turntable. Dana has all her vinyl. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Stacks and stacks. She got a turntable. Should get a better one, uh, probably. And uh, most uh, audio files. That's uh, the best way to listen to me. Is that the right word? The only problem is vinyl. Every seventeen minutes, you got to get up and turn the album over. It's good exercise. Yeah, I guess, but you can't talk about sleeping. You, you, you're uh, relaxing. You. Oh, ah, I got to get up and turn it over. Now, the old ones, you could actually stack them up. Boom, boom. And yeah, they fall well, up. Boom, boom. Those weren't quality ones. You want a quality right. one. So oh, you I just got to put one out at a time. Dana, lovely Dana. She got out there last Saturday. No, Sunday. You'd have loved this, Fred. Went to St. Charles. There's a beautiful theater there. It used to yep. be a movie theater, I'm sure, way back in the day. The Arcada, I think I'm Arcada, yeah. A-C-A-A-R. Arcada? A-R-C-A-D-A. Yeah, like yeah. Arcada. Arcada. 
And you know who we saw? We saw, oh my guys, the Buckinghams. Uh-huh. Oh, an unbelievable. Kind of a drag? Was it kind of a drag? Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> Susan was not with me. Dana was with me. Right. And uh, I was not losing. Uh-huh. I would have if it was Su- Susan. Yeah, she I'm losing, been losing now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, they were there. And I know that you said uh, uh, also a couple members of the original Chicago, yeah. or at least one member of well, the original Chicago. Well, they called themselves CTA, California Transit Authority. Oh, tricky. I know. See, two of the originals, but they played all the Chicago songs. And uh, the Buckinghams uh, and Chicago, CTA, uh, a lot of those guys interacted, knew each other back in the day here in Chicago. I believe one of the their original, like, agent, the Bucks, moved over to CTA Chicago. Sure. And so they were out there, and they had the horn section. They're both very similar type of music, yeah. Yeah. you know. So fun, fun night. And they got a, a restaurant there. It's a great place. Yeah. It's a really great place, uh, uh, yeah, Ronnie Onesti does a great job. I met him. Place How do there. you know him? Yeah, well, R- Ronnie Onesti, I met him years ago, yeah. and I used to work with another guy who's uh, who's all, who knows all the guys. And uh, so I met Ronnie Onesti, and uh, what, he's done a Cicero great job. Guys? No, 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 Northwest side. No, just north. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Just north. I'm thinking Joe Montaigne. No, right. no, no, no. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Ronnie Onesti does a great yeah. job. They also, they, they do have a restaurant. They have a, they have like a, a nightclub yeah. upstairs yeah. and all that stuff. It's a great place. Right. And they have concerts, tremendous oh. concerts um, for for yeah. people who are, uh, as a small venue, I saw the lead singer Supertramp there about it's two months ago. Yeah. It's a hidden gem. Let the record show. I got nothing comp. This is not anything. No. No, either did it I. It was fabulous. Let's bring in uh, EO11. Uh, what is our uh, 10 o'clock uh, Twitter poll? Vote now at uh, ESPN Chicago. Eric? The most competitive all-star game is... No, hold on. Let's, let's, let's chew on that a minute. Uh, the most competitive, because today is what? Uh, both the uh, NHL... Oh, just I mean, the NHL. Oh, just NHL NH- skills. Oh, wait, when's the NFL? Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. The Pro Bowl tomorrow. Oh, yeah, right. They're both, tom- they're both tomorrow. Okay, right, right. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Eric. I haven't seen the Pro Bowl for 15 years. That's why, you know, <laughs> I know it is on ESPN, so you can watch it there. There you go. The most competitive all-star game is NHL, NBA, MLB, or the NFL's Pro Bowl. There you go. Thanks, Eric. Vote now at ESPN 1000. There's only one answer, but I'm not going to uh, prejudice the uh, jury right now. Right. And right. you know what? The, only one I answer. I agree. There's only one answer. Right. But, but my my guess is that that answer will be third. <laughs> All right. With our listening public. Let's do this, Fred. Hot takes, right? It's all you know. Oh, he's got a hot take. Yeah. I think there's shows called hot take or whatever. It doesn't matter. Can, can do you know, what is a hot No take? idea. Having the having the foggiest. No, and don't yeah, I, okay. I hear I hear the phrase. I know I'm yeah. not interested, and I just go to the next thing. Not sure what a hot take is. Does it mean I guess someone stands on a certain topic that's out there? Does it mean you have an opinion? Is that all it really means? I guess. Yeah, you have an angle. It's your strong opinion on something that's very important in the world of whatever. You so, can have a business hot take. You can have a, a hot take on hot music, take, anything, right? A hot take, music hot take, yeah. a sports hot take. I got right. a good. I got a hot take. Let's not do any political hot takes. No, that, that would not be good. <laughs> okay. We don't want. The last thing I want to ever do is talk about that. So hot takes three three two three seven seven six. Uh, guest free phones this hour. Nick Fidel next hour. So hot takes that must imply there all there are also cold takes. I guess. Well, it's got to. I mean, or, or no take. Well, that'd be a cold. 
Right. No yeah. cake. Yeah. Or a, like a lukewarm medium cake. Uh-huh. All right. I just okay. Let's do this. Let's call this segment hot take, warm take, cold take. Let me add no take. Oh wait, no take. all these are going to be takes. So okay, we'll, we'll not do no take this time. But I see what you're saying. Oh, you could would it, would it be a right to say sometimes no take is better than a hot take? Is that sort of what sure. you're implying, right? Yeah. Just because you have a take doesn't mean it's any good. No. You're better off with doesn't. no take. Yeah. But then you wouldn't be on uh, radio long if you didn't have a take, I guess. No. Well, years ago, someone I was working with, uh, the, the great Dave Baum. Oh, and the someone, chat champ. The chat champ. And someone called up and said, would you stop giving your opinion? Really? He said, well, if I stop giving my opinion, then the show will be over. Dave Baum, a Chicago sports and... And news. All talk yeah. legend. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, yep. the bomber. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Sure is. Dave, the chat champ, bomb. All right, hot take, warm take, cold take. Fred, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you uh, rate uh, this next topic, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, remember when the at the Bulls games, the fans would go absolutely bonkers when the Bulls scored 100 points right. late in the game, yeah. obviously. And that was because they all got a, what, a gift or something? A Whopper. A Big and Mac. Then, yeah, it was, it was a Big, Big Mac. Mac. I'm yeah. sorry, I was, at the wrong, I was at the wrong burger place. A hamburger. Yeah. And the crowd would go crazy. Yeah. And it, I got to admit, it was that's yeah, fun. You're there one time a year. Your kids are with you. You know, and you get it, you know, not that you, you know, the, the dollar burger or the two dollar. It's not that. It's just, you know, fun, exciting, you know, something different, you know. Yeah. I had no problem with that. Did you notice it's disappeared this year? I haven't. Well, have the Bulls scored 100? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I have not noticed. So how come the 100-point uh, deal is gone? We'll have to ask Nick. I don't know. When Nick, Nick joins us at the 11 o'clock hour. <laughs> there aren't any burgers left. Nick got there first. Well, yeah. Nick says, no, only if it's a cheeseburger. He's going to be excited. <laughs> they do run a different promotion now. It's uh, in the fourth quarter. If the opponent misses two straight free throws, then you can get like a free chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so you kind of like, it's fun if he missed the first one, everyone starts screaming and yelling and hoping he misses the second. So you're rewarded oh uh, when the uh, opponent fails. Yeah. Yep. It's nothing that you did to accomplish something as a bolt. Heck, why would you want to do that? Maybe, well, maybe more people shaking those uh, sticks behind, trying to, you know, which never works, behind no. a basket. They all like doing that, too. So here's where we go with this take, Fred. Okay. And that was not the take. Because that was, uh, was that a hot take, a warm take, or a cold take? Uh, cold take. Wait, wait, you didn't even notice the hamburger deal's gone, and you're going to give me a cold take? Yeah. You're yeah. tough. Yeah. You're tough. I wouldn't want you to be my third grade teacher at, uh, where'd you go again for third grade? Third grade, I was at the North School in uh, Villa Park. Pretty creative name, huh? Yeah, the North School. Uh, Mrs. Davies, I think. I don't I feel so bad about Forest Road Grade School now. At least we were. Uh, North more School. Than, the North School. Yeah. All right. Uh huh. So, the fans would go nuts over the hundred points for the burger. We we all agree on that, right? So now, let's go back to about an hour ago, and you were saying, I don't know if it's such a good idea to uh, have NBA gambling in uh, at kiosks. It's a crazy word. I don't like that word. Yeah. It's a funny word. Yeah. At kiosks in uh, 
at the like at the arena, right? Right. You could go to the United Center for the Bulls game and place your bet. I'm sure there'll be a low limit, like fifty dollars. I don't know. Will there be a limit? There's yeah, there'll be a limit. I'm sure. I'm not what, sure what that limit grand? would be. I don't know. I don't know what the limit would be. All right, on the game now. About an hour ago, you had mentioned uh, something about. That fans will be yelling. Uh, fans will go nuts. You think fans are out of hand now? It just cost me ten grand. If you can go and bet even a hundred dollars or fifty dollars, huh. if you can go bet fifty dollars, and it's not only on the game, from what I understand, you can bet second half, you can bet third quarter scoring, you can bet all. You're, apparently, one of the things they're working on is doing all this kind of stuff. And could you imagine? You think fans get unruly now when a Denzel Valentine might miss a jump shot late in the game, or when a Chris Dunn throws the ball away? Mm-hmm. Just imagine if that throwing that ball away cost a guy that doesn't bet much, but he did because there's a kiosk in the building, fifty or a hundred dollars. They'll be going crazy. All right, you're going to have to put fences around like they do at soccer games in Europe. Here's my uh, take: either hot, warm, or cold on this topic. Let's go a step farther. All right? Okay. So let's say you do a straight bet on the game and the Bears are, I'm sorry, the Bulls are a nine-point favorite at home, right? Okay. Okay. Bulls are a nine-point favorite. It means you got to win by 10 to win the bet if you bet the Bulls, took the Bulls. So there's about mm, five seconds left in the game and, uh, it's in the, and the Bulls are up by eight. All right? Yep. The Bulls are a nine-point favorite. You got a hundred bucks on it, and uh, the Bulls get the ball, rebound the other end. Nineteen uh, seconds left. Eh, ten seconds, whatever. Right, nineteen ten. Yeah. And the Bulls are up by eight. They get over the midcourt by in, in their eight seconds, now, and then they just. Now the other team, for the last fifty hundred years, whatever, they'll back off. You'll yo-yo the ball, dribble it until the game ends, and you, and you win right. by eight. So now. Like the you see what happens with the hamburgers for a hundred at ninety nine. Come on, come on, cheese and we got the burger. Now what's going to be happening? Let's say everybody in the arena, pretty much. You probably usually bet for the home team if you're at the game. You'd think so. You know, I know you bet with your heart, you bet with your head, but these will be unsophisticated betters. Sure. As if there are sophisticated betters. Well, they all think they, they are. They all think they are. Uh-huh. He who gambles lives in shambles. But uh, everyone learns that later in life. Right. You know, some much earlier, some much later. Uh-huh. Okay. So, you know, you walk in, one Bulls game a year, you're with the family, you're with the guys, you have a few pops before the game, and there you go, I'm going to walk. The guy never bets in his life, right? Yeah. Okay, the Bulls, hey, eight point fair, and I put down, you know. My comfort zone, ten bucks, a hundred bucks, a thousand, whatever your comfort zone is, you know your number, you know. And uh, so I got the Bulls, eight point five. They got to win by nine or ten. So there's about fifteen seconds to go in the game, and the Bulls are up by eight. And uh, there's Levine dribbling the ball, yeah, dribbling yo- it out, yo-yoing it out, and the other team standing there, and he's standing there being professionally courteous. You know, you don't want to run up. It could be it could be 15 point. wouldn't be the same if the Bulls were like a two-point favorite. Then all, all hell breaks loose. No, and see, if you were an opponent, if you were a fan of the opponent, so you right. made your bet on the opponent, yeah. you would say this is great because we're getting nine. So right now we're a winner. But the last thing we want to do is see Zach Levine go to the basket. Here comes the big butt. <laughs> now, you're you're dribbling the ball. You're Levine. You know it's a nine point spread. No. They know they wouldn't know that. You're up by eight. 
The crowd's going crazy. Shoot it, shoot it. Oh, come on, drive in, follow him, you know, free throws. This will change the entire structure and uh, courtesy elements of a game with five seconds to go. Yeah. Is that is that what they want? I don't know if they've thought about that. Well, they haven't. They should have they well, thought right, about it. Right. So what's going to happen is when the betting is still the way it is now. You know, you bet online, you know a guy, or you're down here in Vegas, you know. <laughs> now, no one really is, most people aren't that cognizant, I believe, at the game of, oh, it's, it's a nine-point game, it's eight, I don't know. I don't but think, now, I, I think, I no. think maybe 15 to 20%, right. maybe. But when they got the kiosk, I love saying that word all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And everybody comes in, and everyone's going to bet five bucks, ten bucks, comfort zone, whatever it is. So now, do they realize the entire crowd is going to be shoot at Levine, drive, drive, and then are they here? So is the defense supposed to try to stop them? Yeah. Huh? Sure. They or are. just let them go. Oh, defense, defense is getting the nine points. They want to win their bets. <laughs> but the players aren't allowed to bet. I thought. Yeah. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. I hope they figure. I hope they thought of it. Maybe they're not allowed, but maybe that. Who says their parents are not allowed, or their brothers or sisters, yeah. or their college roommates? So then you go to a Bears game, and they'll eventually end up. So then, wait, why they're getting the one percent? Where's mine? Uh, like uh, Mike Reiko, the old columnist, yeah. the uh, Chicago motto. Where's mine? But they've been able to figure this out in in Europe and other places, or at least tried to, because mm. you can walk into a place called Ladbrokes or a booking place and bet on any soccer game or tennis match or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I'm not sure if it would be able to work here. So you go to a Bears. I'm game. all for it, but I don't know if they'd be able to work. So the the Bears are a uh, seven point favorite, and they're uh, up by six. Uh, with, you know, a minute to go, you're down on the 20-yard line, you should be just taking the knee. Now, I don't believe that the NFL, because you try to kick the field goal, it could get blocked, whoosh, return a six, you know, and ties. Then you're, right. But where will it, you know, will the fans not be, oh, come on, oh, kick the field goal, get a thing. Or and then you go to the baseball kiosk at Wrigley Field or the south side, and, you know, that's more of a money line. It's not a point spread, right. I understand. But right. uh, I, I don't know. Putting the kiosk at the arena just doesn't seem to me like yeah. a good idea. I think that's a that's an awful idea. But I think I making know? it. I think making sports gambling legal makes all all the sense in the world. Yeah, that's I have because no every, every every state can make tons of money off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but putting the kiosks in the building to make the wagers, you think the line for the bathrooms long? <laughs> Wait till see what the line's going to be when a team's down in the second, or, or when a team is uh, one of the team's players gets hurt in the second uh, and late in the first half. Questionable. You run to the kiosk. You make a bet for the second half of the game. All right, hot take was that a warm take or that a cold was a hot take? take? Yes. I don't like hot takes, but that was a hot take. Might be the only time I'll ever have a hot take. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I hope I never have one. All right, next. Next, hot take, warm take, cold take. So, quarterbacks in the upcoming draft, the Bears don't need. Running backs in the upcoming draft, the Bears don't need. They'll need one eventually, later on. The Bears are uh, sitting number eight right now. And many say the top five picks could be quarterbacks and running backs. That means, uh, de facto, the Bears have the third pick overall. I'm starting to think 
trading down. Not that they want to trade down as much as teams behind them are going to want to trade up and, and sweeten it and sweeten it. You got teams right now behind the Bears. Now, let's say someone wants that. Let's say someone's sitting in the, like the 10 hole or the 11 hole, right? Just two or three behind you. And the Bears pick comes around, number eight. And you got two, three guys that you're all hoping one of them would be there for you uh-huh. in the eight hole. And you got two or three of them. And all of a sudden, the team picking 10th says, uh, you know, we'd really like that eight pick. I'm thinking, hey, we can't lose because we're going to get one of the guys we want. What are you going to give me besides the 10th pick for right. number eight? Another third rounder or something like that? or Maybe you can squeeze... Uh, at least, right, at least a third rounder. Right, or a second rounder. Maybe a second yeah, rounder. Possibly. And then you're thinking maybe this McGlinty guy, or McGlitchy, whatever his name is, the tackle out of uh, Notre Dame, uh-huh. he's sort of been falling, I notice, just anecdotally when I look at different mocks. You know, he was going to be in the top 10, then I seen some have him stop 15, you know. I don't think he'll drop down into the second round. But No, 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 he'll go He'll go by 15, I would think, okay. 15 or 20, the latest. But you still are going get, to get the guy you wanted at 10th or 11th uh-huh. because you have to surplus at 8 and you're going to hit one of these 3, 4, we want them all. So I'm starting to think more and more, not that the Bears are desiring, looking or hoping to trade down. It might fall in their lap that they're going to still get their one of their guys right. and someone behind you is going to give you, like you say, a late 2 or yeah. a 3 maybe. I'm going to start opening up my eyes to that. The other thing is I'm changing a little bit, part of the same take right here. I've been adamant about the offensive linemen, you know, on the first pick. The more I think about it, and one of our, couple of our major guests in the last couple of weeks has been, uh, no, no, the, uh, you know, edge rusher. Yeah. Uh, you know, be it the OLB, outside linebacker, or... If or gonna, defensive end. Or defensive end, whatever. Yeah. An edge rusher. Right. Even though... The way I think is to develop the young rookie quarterback, regardless who he is, is to build that line. But you know what? That edge rusher is so important these days. So I might back off a little bit of the O-line got to be number one. The wide receiver, Ixnay. That better not be anywhere in the first period. No. The first uh, round You're pick right for about the Bears. So, uh, Second, third, fourth round. Not that it's a hot take. Sign a free agent. Not that it's a hot take. But I think... Uh, not a cold take. Give me a warm take on that, right, Fred? Yeah, I guess. You know, that it's more evident. That it makes sense. Make, maybe drafting down makes it make sense. Trading down, yeah, on yeah. the draft. And again, not necessarily because they are looking to do that, but it could uh, fall into their lap. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, 3323776. Vote right now at ESPN 1000 for uh, our poll right now. The most competitive. All-Star Game and uh, NHL and NFL uh, both tomorrow. Uh, which is it? Hockey, baseball, basketball, football. Let's go to... Uh, he calls himself Izzy the Mailman. Hey, Iz. That's right, Izzy the Mailman. You darn tune is. Hey, Iz. What <laughs> What's it, up, Izzy? Hey, Iz. What is, man? <laughs> yeah, what it is, Fred and Murph. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give me a hot... Do you have a hot take... A warm take oh, I, or a cold take, Izzy? Oh, I got a nothing but a hot take. It's an explosive take, too. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you guys. You guys are talking about gambling and betting in sports. So, if they, if they, whenever they decide to allow betting in sports, 
Does baseball then put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame? Ah, <laughs> uh, see, that's what he's, that's what he's see, for. you got a lot of time on your hands. I like that. That's a good take. I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll parallel that with you. Stay on there with me. Is in mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so now that Bud's same topic, a little different. Now that Bud Selig, the commissioner who looked the other way during the steroid era, now that Bud Commissioner has been put in the Hall of Fame, you can ask the same thing like you just posed on your hot take about gambling and Pete Rose. Wouldn't it now be that since the Commissioner Selig, who looked the other way with the lame excuse, oh, the union wouldn't allow testing. That's true, Bud. But, you know, you could have done, you could have every day got on the microphone when you toured around with Pat Hughes and sat with Ed Farmer and all around the league with with your schmooze patrol fest out there. And you could have said, number one thing, Ed Farmer, number one thing, Pat Hughes, I got a problem. They're all taking the juice. You could have promoted it and said it and said it, but he did nothing. So could we now, Izzy, Fred, draw the parallel that, hey, you know what? I don't care anymore. McGuire, fine. Sosa, fine. Bonds, fine. All the Jew, Raffy Palmero, fine. Put them all in. The commissioner who condoned it and allowed it is in. Is it that sort of parallels your take a little bit, right? It does. And here's how I feel about that. I feel that if they do go that route, they probably wouldn't do it all at once. You won't see Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, Palmero all in at once. They'll probably and elect who they feel the best out of those were year by year until it gets down to the guys that really wasn't all that great that could get in. How, how's this? Is he put all the guys in with the steroids, but just don't let them talk in Cooperstown? <laughs> Listen, we're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. The only way you're going to get there is you want to walk in and pay the fee and go on in because we're not going to let you speak. We're not going to let you talk. We don't like what you did, but your numbers are, are so good, you got to get into the game. Oh, like, like I always say, this one, Izzy and Fred, have a separate wing. In other words, mm-hmm. I've been to the Hall of Fame. It's a big room, you know, full of plaques. And a lot of these guys are from the 1890s. Hey, there's Hugh Jennings. Who? There's Ed Roush. Who? And right next to him is like Babe Ruth, <laughs> and right next to them is Ernie Banks. Yep. It's all a hodgepodge. How about this, Izzy? You have one wing for, like, uh, the dead ball era. All the guys from uh, mm-hmm. 1860 to 1920. Then you have the era 1920 to 1947. You call that like the radio era. That's when radio came. And you had the Babe and, and Lou Gehrig. Then 1947. That's the next wing. You could go left, right. Let's go to the 1947 mm-hmm. wing because that's when Jackie Robinson and baseball changed. And you call that the television wing because that's when TV started. Then, well, here, here we go. And call, Right, very good. Tie it in. Now, Izzy, Fred, here's the thing. That wing goes from 47 to what year was Mark McGuire a rookie, like 89, 90, 87. whatever. Yeah. That's the next wing. And you know what that wing, it's all the way stretches down. That's anyone that was inducted. And you know what that wing's called? Not the TV uh, wing or the Jackie Robinson. Not the radio wing or the Babe Ruth era. Not the uh, dead ball uh, 1800s. It's called... The steroid PED wing. And you put everyone in there, and then when the fans walk in, they can make their own decision. And then you have another wing for the amphetamine guys, which is everybody else, the rest of the building. <laughs> so. Hey, I got a, I got a, uh, a, uh, I got one for the design of that room. If you got the steroid, and I want to say the injection era, but I guess that'd be a little <laughs> tail in the line. Whatever, I like if you it. Want the, if you want the color of that room, I'd have a white room with a black light. 
with black, white, and then green, green neon slime for the plaques and the and the bus. There you go. We've all, all right. walked into a, we've all walked into a black, you know black light room before. And That'd easy. be fun. How would you vote, Bill James, the Godfather of statistical metric analysis, invented it all, should be somewhere in the Hall of Fame? Yes or no? Yes. There you the go. Father should be in. They yes. hope to get in sooner or later. I love it. <laughs> Izzy, and, you're, and, full and, of, you're full of hot takes. That's because you're a mailman. You got those hot, those hot things you put in the shoes, and you got the hot. Are you still a? Uh, are you currently still a mailman, Izzy? Yes, and I'm on the clock, so let's be quiet with it. No, uh, no, I got tacky tape. no, no, no. <laughs> well, I want to give you some good news. All uh-huh. right, the three. I know I'm up against the clock. I'm out with <laughs> Izzy. Izzy, the mailman, Eric. All right, real quick. Having now, a good time. Izzy, here's the thing. Tom Skilling, I remember years ago, he said the three coldest, and you're a mailman, the three Uh coldest weeks in Chicago are the last 10 days of January and the first 10 days of February. It's about a three-week run and over 100 years of weather keeping from January 21 to February 10. Those 2021 days are the coldest. Look at this. Look at the. We had the bad run in January early, but yeah. these are supposed to be the three cold ones. And right now, Izzy, we're halfway through the three coldest weeks of the winter. Money in the bank, my friend, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and it's 50 degrees. Yeah, it's gorgeous out right now. <laughs> now, I don't know if that would be a hot, warm, or cold tape, but we're talking temperature. Hey, it, a couple years ago, it was 80 in February, so I don't know what's going on with this class. Uh, hey, Izzy, talk to you later. You're a good taker, Thank man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Izzy. <laughs> bye, we bye. appreciate you listening. Izzy, with his takes, it's Murph, it's Fred. And uh, let's bring in for a result. Oh, we already did that, right? The fans voted uh, just... No. No, right. we got the the. Uh, bum, 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 bum. We've got the which oh, is the, the most, most competitive yeah. All Star game right. is. Well, let's get the results when we return. We're up against the clock. Murph and Fred, last chance to vote at ESPN One Thousand. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Halfway home on a busy Saturday. Sports talk, 9 till Chicago based. We're sitting right down here on State Street, the Fred Hubner uh, studio. Yeah, how much you have to, me. How much you have to pay for that? That'd be too much. <laughs> Are yeah. we supposed to read the uh, 20K in uh, 20 days? No, that starts on February 1st. Go ahead. February 1st, keep listening. That's 20K it? in 20 days. Not bad. That'd be Monday through Friday. That's right. Starting on uh, yes. starting on February first. In other words, four uh, times during the day you'll get a chance to uh, yeah. qualify, and then uh, late in the uh, day they will mm. pick a winner nice. for a thousand dollars a day. So uh, that's Monday through Friday. Uh huh. So in other words, we don't give away anything. But the good news is, we don't charge you to listen. No. Then again, nobody does. So it's a push. That's the best thing about radio. <laughs> Three three two three seven seven six. Cost you nothing, Fred. Uh, oh, we're going to uh, expecting a call in about a half hour from uh, an LA Dodger uh, reporter from the uh, Dodgers uh, flagship station in LA. Okay, going to get a quick scouting report on uh, closer ninth inning man uh, Morrow, Brendan, right? Brandon, Brendan Morrow, Brandon Morrow. the Cubs. Uh, 
Uh, it looks like a new ninth inning He's guy. your closer. And a little scouting report on uh, if you'll ever sign with uh, anybody. Quick find out uh, the thoughts in L.A. from uh, people that watched every Dodgers game. Uh, you Darvish. Yep. Find out well, how he looks. And uh, Sox got a picture from... Maybe get some more on uh, Luis Avalon. The Dodgers. When you said moron, I thought you were going to hit the no, uh, Steve Mongo McMichael soundbite there. No, my my wife, uh, <laughs> my, my wife. One year, I was calling, I was doing a show, and I you said, moron. I said, well, I have moron Geron after this, and she called me <laughs> off the air and said, why are you calling Geron a moron? Little oh, did I know. Oh, speaking of which, Dave Wanstead. Uh huh. I don't know why that reminded me. I don't of Dave either. Wanstead. I like Dave Wanstead. Dave Wanstead. I heard him somewhere. We're not going to do a whole segment. We already did that and probably caused everyone enough pain how to pronounce the Bears head coach's last name. And right. I deter- I, it, it doesn't matter. And I determined Nagy that... Nagy or Nagy, whatever you want to call him. And I determined that it was a Pennsylvania yeah. accent. Well, we know where Wani's from, right? Uh-huh. Pens- Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I heard Wani this uh, week somewhere. And you know how we pronounce the uh, coach from Pennsylvania? Like, rhymed with Peggy. Yeah. Yeah. Nagy. See? Right, it's a Pennsylvania. If thing. you say it fast, if you say Nagy fast, it sounds like Nagy anyway. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Just let the record show. Just he doesn't care. Wani, just bet- call him the Bears no. head coach. Right, that's that's actually the best thing he's been called in years. Right. If you're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it's Nagy. Uh, let's bring in EO eleven, Eric Ostrowski, and let's find EO eleven. Let's get the results of our poll from last half hour. Uh, which was the most competitive all-star game is, well, Sunday will be the NHL. Sunday will be uh, the Pro Bowl, NFL, all-star game. Uh, the NBA or MLB, the most competitive. Uh, Fred, uh, you and I pretty much agreed it's a no-brainer. But as you said, it'll probably uh, uh, finish third, uh, the no-brainer I would have thought, yeah. MLB. Yeah. Okay. Eric? What do our fans say? The same fans that 40% said Bill James should not be in the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, what do we have? Okay, at the bottom with 1% is the NFL's Pro Bowl. Which which is amazing because it always gets ratings. I can't believe that, I can't either. Way. It always gets great ratings. I, I've never understood well, There's it. no other games to gamble on this weekend. I don't... Why, why would you gamble yeah. on that, though? Like, it's such a crapshoot. There probably is a line on the uh, Pro Bowl, yeah. too. I'll tell you... Eric, there's sick people. There, there are sick gamblers out there. Yeah, a lot of them here from uh, yeah. Monday through Friday from yeah. 9 till 6. Have you ever met any gambler that consistently over the course of, say, 5, 10 years wins? No. But they might tell you that. There might be one or two guys. But so, yeah, uh, It's not on the line I see in the paper here because I don't have a guy or a company. So all they have is a Super Bowl line, which right now is five. So last place uh, came in as the most competitive all-star game was uh, the Pro Bowl, the uh, NFL, right? Correct. And then in third place with 5% is the NBA. All right. Eight. That surprised me a little bit. You thought baseball would be number three, Fred? Yeah. Well, I just just based on yeah. the people out there. The yeah. people out there. Hold the phone, Eric. Could you just based on the people out there? Yeah, based on based <laughs> on the people that listen and uh, and how big the NBA is right now. I kind of thought the NBA would be a lot higher. NBA Twitter right. is got a cult following. It's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so NBA was 5%. In second place with 18% is NHL. So baseball did win. With 76%. Yeah. Baseball did win. Really? Three quarters. So, three of every four part people. What'd that leave? Uh, hockey with about 10, 20%? 18%. 18%. Okay. 
Now, the reason, in case you're uh, dubious out there in uh, radio land, as I used to say, uh, is that only one of the four sports, all-star game, plays defense. Right. There's there's no defense in the NBA. Fine. Ole. Yeah. There's no defense in the NFL because no one wants to get hurt. Nope. No, they don't. There's no defense in hockey because it's tiring to play defense on skates. Uh-huh. But there's only one sport, all-star game, that you look like a total dog if you don't play defense. You can skip defense on in basketball. You can skip the defense in the hockey all-star. You can skip defense in basketball, football, hockey. But, Fred... I think you've said this the best. What happens if you try to skip defense on baseball? Yeah, you can't. An inning would never end, first of all. See, it would just keep going. Say you're the right fielder, yeah. and there's a fly ball 10 feet to your right. See, it is. It's, and you decide not to go after it. The All-Star game, defense in the All-Star game is a t- time to make a name for yourself. Remember Tory Hunter leaping over the fence to grab a Barry Bonds home mm-hmm. run? I mean, there's all kinds of great things that happen. You know, throwing out, you know, throwing out or at least trying to throw out Pete Rose at home plate. And uh, and then all of a sudden, Ray Fossey's career is almost over. But there, you know, ba- there's all kinds of great defense in uh, the All Star game. Or you might Major be League giving Baseball. these guys too much credit. It's just that it, you'd look so you'd be so embarrassing. You'd look like such a dog, like the NBA players. Do. If you're out there and there's a can you imagine? There's a ground ball to uh, you know Rizzo at first. And it's two feet to his right. He just like looks at it like you would NBA. Well, I think or the hockey NBA, or football. I think the NBA might be different this year because they had the draft, the NBA draft. And I got a feeling that certain guys are going to say, "Listen, we want to beat the other guys." Now the question is going to be: Is that going to is that going to make the game more interesting? Because right now, I was watching uh, the jump on ESPN, their NBA show, and all three people on the show said the NBA All Star Game is unwatchable. So hopefully by them, by LeBron and by LeBron and Steph Curry drafting the teams of the players who are already there, maybe they'll make it a little more interesting because all of a sudden you have guys going against each other. Do you so. think baseball got, what was it, how many percent, please? Uh, 70, 70. 76%. Is that because, quote, the game counts? Now, it doesn't anymore. Well, don't you get home? Oh, no, no, not no, it's nothing at all now. now. No, it doesn't count at all. Um, Last year was the first year it didn't count. Well, maybe some of the voters were dumb like me and missed and forgot that. Yeah, no, it doesn't count at all. So now it's back to what it used to be before yeah. Joe Torrey screwed things up and didn't have a pitcher left. And because of him, yeah. it's all Joe Torrey's fault. Nobody <laughs> blames him, but except me. <laughs> hey, Joe bought me dinner once in Scottsdale. Good for you and him. He Nobody but him. He screwed the whole thing up because he did not save a pitcher to pitch in extra innings in an all-star game. Because of that, they changed this damn rule. It was stupid. Remember Bud in the front row in his, yeah. uh, in his like Dick Tracy trench coat? Well, he got put in a bad spot because of Joe Torre. Well, it's very simple. MLB, you play, you should, I guess all sports, you only play your starters like a real game. In other words, in the fifth inning in baseball, you don't bring nine new guys no. out and sit down to starters. No. And then you bat them uh, straight up. You know, oh, I replace the second baseman, shortstop, third baseman, left field, right field. Just put the new guys in the same slot. Well, you wouldn't do that. And really, you'd flip them. But, hey, what do I know? I'm just a fan. Vote right now. Oh, here's our 1030 Twitter poll question. Yes, sir. Multiple choice. State of Illinois proposes... Youth football tackle ban 
12 years old and younger. State of Illinois proposing youth football tackle ban, ages, uh, I guess, 12 or 11. and Under 12. Young, under yeah, 12, right? Be able to play under Thank 12. you. A, that's a good idea. B, hey, let each parent decide. Vote right now, Murph and Fred. Little Cubs talk, more baseball talk, top of the hour, Sox Fest weekend, and uh, Nick Friedel at 11 o'clock. Step aside back after this, Murph and Fred. Vote at ESPN 1000, but you knew that. Murphy, Fred Hubner, have a little Cubs talk, uh, baseball talk at the top of the hour. Nick Friedel, our Bulls guy, said he'd give us a call around 11.30. Uh, let's see here, Fred. I want to talk a little White Sox with you. Uh, hey, Tracy, Tracy, how's our show sounding so far? I love this show. Uh-huh. I Love this show. <laughs> hey, Tracy Butler. Thank you. And the weather we love. Thank you in very much. today. <laughs> Thank you for that, Tracy Butler. Uh, real quick, remember Reverend Watkins? Yep. Remember him well. Longtime caller back uh, in the day. And he had the uh, famous statement used. I used it for years as a soundbite. A big Cub fan, Reverend Watkins, Southside guy. And he said, Cubs don't have to get better. The other team just get a little bit worse. Uh huh. Well, even if the Cubs do sign, uh, when they sign Arietta or Darvish or, or whoever they decide Cobb. on, uh, they, yeah, Cobb, they won't be any better. They'll be static, the same as last year. Replace people they've lost, though they haven't replaced uh, John Jay. But uh, maybe now uh, the Cubs don't have to get better. The other teams get a little bit worse. We'll have to be changed. Cubs better get better because the other teams, are, other not teams getting, are getting better. Are not getting worse. Yeah, the, the St. Louis's pitching staff may be questionable because they're yeah. going to lose a guy, guy or two here and there. And they but, lost uh, a closer, Rosenthal. Right, and Lance Lynn's going to yeah. probably sign somewhere else eventually whenever free agents decide to sign. Maybe Lance Lynn could end up with the Cubs. Anything's possible, you but they know. better find someone. Yep. They better find uh, someone to be the, in the uh, five-man rotation to replace Arietta himself. Fred, uh, Sox Fest uh, going strong right now. One quick note. Uh, I think I saw it in the Tribune. Uh, slugger Jose Abreu, who lost about 10 pounds during the offseason, said uh, yada yada. He's heard the trade rumblings, wants to you know, stay with the White Sox. Ten pounds down for uh, Breu. Yep. Didn't he lose a lot, some weight last off? They never talked. They didn't talk much about it, but you could see oh. that he lost weight because he, he was a, he had he had more speed. He was more agile over at first base. His face was thinner. He He'd lost a lot of base. weight. He, 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 I remember he singled one time, first pitch, stole second base. Well, you know, popped up, pop up slide. He looked great. Yeah. And now he's lost a little bit more weight. He wants to be able to play for a while. He's he's getting up there. You know, thirty. Well, Maybe he uh, doesn't want to be the DH. He wants to stay. And now first base DH, that's been an argument or discussion for a long time. Yeah, it has been with a lot of people. And uh, it came up yesterday at SoxFest. Now, did you find this? Uh, this is Rick Renteria cut you uh, found, right? Yeah, well, I watched it. Actually, uh, NBC Sports Chicago had them on. And it, was, okay. yeah, it, was, it was a really good cut, I thought. Mm-hmm. When I first got here, I remember Joey McEwing talking to him many times on the on the half field working and early work and, and late work and we're presenting to him the concept of 
always anticipating every ball, being ready, always being ready. Because Pito was a, a reactionary defender. He wasn't assuming the ball being hit to him, he was reacting to the ball being hit to him. As an infielder, you need to be ready and assume that every ball is going to be hit to you in order to be ready for that play. So, I'll be honest, we sat down and, uh, and I, I know I spoke to Rick about it and I said, Pete, do you want to be a DH or do you want to be a first baseman? <laughs> and he says, what do you mean? I'm a first baseman. I said, no, no, no. I said, what do you want to be? I, I, I'm, I'm, it's real simple. I said, do you want to be a DH or do you want to be a first baseman? He said, no, I want to play first base. I want to play every day. I said, good. Then we have to quit reacting to ground balls and anticipate ground balls. And he says, what do you mean? I said, just what I said. When you're doing the drill work, you're really, really good because you know the ball is coming your way. you got great feet, great hands. You should see this kid. This kid can play short. But in the game, no. <laughs> That's where Khan in the background saying, no, he cannot play short. Um, that was but, good stuff. Yeah, it was really good stuff. And then basically, uh, you know, they asked him, they sat him down, where do you want to play, first base or DH? And uh, they said, and it makes sense, too. When they're hitting you ground balls, you know the ground balls are coming. But when you're playing the field, you've got to anticipate everything's coming your way. And that's what they do with third base. Everybody in the field, outfielders, center fielders, should think every ball's coming his way. Every pitch, you have to do that little half-step crow hop towards the batter. Yep. Watching the best you can. Easier at second or short, but on the corners is the pitch inside, outside. You know, you lean a little, you take your crow hop left or right or straight ahead. And to not be prepared every pitch to be doing that, it's almost unfathomable. It's hard to even imagine that he's got away with it this long yeah. with Robin Ventura and the previous regimes and finally Renteria said well they probably figured they couldn't figure out why he was going bad because when they hit him ground balls everything worked but then during the game <laughs> he wouldn't he would lose concentration because he didn't think every ball would come his way he wasn't like looking in the stands like Starlin Castro used to or throwing his glove up in the air like some outfielders you think do right. but he was just he didn't think every ball was coming to him and that's the way you got to think when you're playing the field well I'll tell you the other thing when you're on the corners third base if you're at third base and there's a lefty up and he hits a two hop smash to you yeah if you're not ready because you think he ain't got to hit it this way. Conversely, if you're playing first base, I don't care if you're holding on the bag or playing deep or whatever. If a right-handed hitter, you know, either intentionally goes with the outside pitch your way or right. swings late on a middle-in ball, and if an oppo swing swinger hits it your way, it, it number one surprises you. It su surprises the heck out of you. And if you're not ready, you're, you got no chance. Yeah, and a lot of times no you're going to swing too. A lot of times it's going to curve towards well, the line. It's going to banana too. away. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, Abreu, not to say this, but to say it, so he's a free agent at the end of next year. There's a lot more dough involved, I would imagine, if you're a free agent first base sure slugger and a DH sure. than just a DH. Yeah. If you're just a DH, then you only got, what, 15 teams that are really interested in you. Yep. If you can play first base, you theoretically have 30 teams, though many have a first base. He's not, he's not going to get that far. They're going to sign him before he becomes a free agent. I think that'd be wise. Yeah, I think it'd be wise for him too. I mean, he's making nice money now, and I think they'll he'll make nice money. He's making thirteen million this year. Let's bring in EO Eleven. How the fans vote on this new percolating topic? State of Illinois propose will propose perhaps that wants to propose youth football tackle ban if you're uh, under twelve years of age. A, that's a good idea. B, hey. 
Let each parent decide. I'm thinking we're going to have a 50-50. What do you think here, Fred? I would have thought it would have been more that uh, they would be for the ban, but the more I hear from people, they mm. they, they think that uh, they should make be able to make up their own mind. So I, th- I agree with you. I think it's probably going to be 50-50. If nothing, yeah. it might even be 60-40 in favor of let the people make up their own mind. All right. Eric. Ooh, Fred, off by 1%. 61% said let the parents decide. Well, I, I, could, I couldn't disagree more. Hey, but then again, I'm not a parent. Just for fun. I have nieces and nephews. Google up. 16 of them. Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt Road, Roosevelt Road, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, president. And when he, executive order, back around 1912, he wanted to ban college football because there were like 12, 15 deaths a year. Yeah. It was East Coast Ivy League, early days of football after the turn of the first century, not the last one. And executive order, he did Outlaw the Flying Wedge. If you've never heard of the Flying Wedge, football fans, <laughs> Google up Teddy Roosevelt Flying Wedge. I think you'll find some interesting reading. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, little Cubs next, and uh, Bulls, uh, busy hour. Back after this, we are ESPN 1000. State Street Studio, home of ESPN 1000, Chicago's all-sports station. This is WMVP AM Chicago. Four and three and two and one. Sun is shining. Almost baseball weather. Well, you know, I've been at uh, opening days. Uh, oh, much colder than this. Chicago, much worse than Heck this. Heck yeah. Sun coming down. Wind not terrible. It's probably a little warmer in L.A. We'll be in L.A. in one minute. Stick around. Let's get the Murph and Fred fan uh, Twitter poll. Fan focus Twitter poll for this uh, half hour. Cub fans, everybody's invited to vote here. Multiple choice. Chances of Jason Hayward bouncing back. <laughs> I didn't say when. I'm sorry. I, I, I laughed. I didn't say this year, next year, ever. Right. Chances of Jason Hayward bouncing back. A, very good chance. B, good chance. C, slight chance. D, fat chance. Okay. <laughs> Where did that expression come from? It sounds like that'd be a good chance. Fat chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, you're going to be going to the uh, part. Fat chance I'm going. Uh-huh. So vote right now at ESPN 1000. Chances of Jay Hay bouncing back. Very good chance. Good chance. Slight chance. Fat chance. Hey, let's go out to Los Angeles. Let's go to Dodger Flagship Radio. AM 570. Good old KLAC here on WMVP in Chicago. LA All Sports Talk Radio. Dodger flagship. A guy that covers the Dodgers. Think he's at almost, watches almost every game. It's David Vassa. I'm Mike Murphy along with Fred Humer. Welcome to Chicago. It's warm here, but I don't think you'd like it, David. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. And I guess you got your money's worth from Jason Hayward since he had that big team meeting in Game 7, right? Yeah, that's that's what they paid him for. Oh, you're cold, (laughs) even though we're warm here in Chicago. Hey, David, thanks for joining us uh, for a few minutes. I know it's a busy time. You got the uh, Dodger Fan Fest, uh, uh, like the Sox, uh, going on right now. Just a couple quickies, and we'll spring you. I really appreciate your joining us. David, uh, Cub fans uh, wondering... All right, Wade Davis, bye-bye. 
Uh, we had Chappie Chapman the year before. Now, fans are saying here, well, you know, I know a little bit about Brendan Morrow. He was the eighth inning guy with the Dodgers, but, you know, you guys have a guy named Kenley Jansen. So what kind of guy is uh, uh, Brent, uh, Brendan Morrow? It looks like he's going to be anointed the ninth inning, a closer role, though he might get some competition from C-Shack 8th or nine. But it looks like ninth inning. Now, Brendan Morrow, he was the eighth inning guy with the Dodgers, but you had Kenley Jansen. Where, is this guy ready? Uh, I think he did it early in his career. Is he a ninth inning guy is the big question, David. Yeah, he's not intimidated by the big moments, so I, I believe that he can handle the ninth inning. Even though uh, Kenley Jansen handled those final three or four outs, Brandon Morrow was brought in in high leverage situations in the seventh and eighth inning in big spots for the, for the Dodgers last year, and he uh, passed with flying colors. If you look at what he did in the regular season and the postseason, uh, he was one of the more, if not one of the most dominant setup guys for the Dodgers in, in, in all of Major League Baseball. So the Cubs are getting a team guy, and they're getting a guy that has great stuff when he's healthy. And last year, he was healthy. Well, that always helps. But uh, so far, I like what I've heard. I thought this was a misprint, his whip. His whip last year, I have it here, is 0.916. Now, a whip of 1.25 is average, basically. 1.50 is bad. That's how many, it's sort of like the inverse of on-base percentage for everyone out there. The whip is, you know, how often the other team gets on base per inning. A whip of 1.00 is golden. He was actually well under that, so... How does he keep his whip so low, and is he a power guy? What's his What's his game, David? Yeah, he's a power guy. He has a fastball 95, and uh, he only allowed one extra base hit, which was a double during the regular season last year. So that's how you keep your whip low. Wow. And he's got great command of his fastball and strikes a lot of guys out because of it. So uh, that uh, in today's game where there's so many pitchers that have – no command of their primary pitch. Brandon Morrow's a professional guy. I mean, you look at what he did as a starter. He was on his way to be one of the best starters in baseball as well until injuries got him. And that's the biggest key. He's a really good pitcher when he's healthy. And last year, there were no health concerns. Uh, I do believe he got a little fatigued uh, in the World Series because he was used in, I believe, virtually every game, if not literally every one of those seven games in the World Series. So, he was able to even try to find a way to fight through the fatigue, not only physically but mentally, and offer his services up in every game of the World Series last year. Well, you know, and David, I was going to ask you about that because that's the one thing, you know, non-Dodger fans or people that might not have been all that interested in exactly what was going on, the one thing they did find out is that Brandon, Brandon Morrow actually talked his way on the field, it seemed like, in one where they said they weren't going to use him. He told the uh, bullpen, correct me if I'm wrong, that he was ready. He went out there and it was awful. Right, and I talked to him before that game, and he he said went to play some catch, and obviously it was a little stiff uh, because of the way he had been used. But I mean, that just shows you what type of guy he is. I know there's pitchers out there that say, "No, I'm not available," just because they feel a little something uh, of stiffness. And you know, I, I think Joe Madden's going to be uh, 
really happy with the way that Brandon Morrow is always willing to go into the game. Visiting for a quick minute, Los Angeles, Dodgers flagship David Vassa, AM570. It's the uh, Los Angeles All-Sports Station, and David covers the uh, Dodgers like a blanket. My partner, Fred Hubner, here. David, Sox fan, Sox Fest going on today. Fred, you got something for David, right? Well, yeah, I'm going to find out what about this uh, Luis Avilon, because a, a lot of White Sox fans have no idea who they picked up when they got Joachim Soria and Avalon. What's What can you tell us about this guy? Well, even though he's a lefty and gets lefties out, Fred, he actually gets righties out just as well, if not better, than lefties. So he's a guy that's not just a, a specialist to come in for one left-handed hitter. You can leave him in there for multiple guys because his stuff gets righties out. He has a pretty good slider that gets righties out as well. So uh, if you look at his splits, you can look at it the last couple of years. Uh, the numbers against righties are better than they are against lefties in, in certain circumstances. All right, now the big question, then we'll spring you. Cub fans are wondering, uh, Theo, are you going to grab, uh, you know, Jake Arrieta back off the market? Alex Cobb's out there. Cubs sort of uh, deficient in the minor leagues to put a package together for Archer. So, uh you Darvish has been kicked around for about two, three months now. Not literally, figuratively, at least to the best of my knowledge. So you saw you. Sorry, couldn't resist. David, give us a scouting report on potential Cubs starting rotation free agent uh, with L.A. last uh, year. Uh, came late in the season with nine starts. Uh, whip of 1.15. Everyone talks about you, Darvish, but you're the guy that can give us a scouting report. And are the Dodgers still in the market? Like the Cubs are still theoretically throwing their hat in the Jake Arrieta ring. Do you know or what have you heard? Are the Dodgers still in the mix for uh, Darvish? Yeah, from what I understand, the Dodgers are have not counted themselves out for you, Darvish. They're monitoring the market to see where it goes. And if it goes to a point where they're able to uh, fit him in underneath the luxury tax threshold and to be able to do that, a lot of people believe they would have to trade either Yasmani Grandal and his 8 or $9 million and or Logan Forsythe wow. to be able to re-sign Darvish. So mm -hmm. they would have to do some roster maneuvering if they were able to re-sign Darvish. But okay. um, as, as far as the scatter report on him, I can tell you this simply is that he has a lot of pitches. And what got him to be successful with the Dodgers is then getting him to simplify it to two or three pitches. Because he's a thinker, which is a good thing, but sometimes it can be a bad thing when you're overthinking. And Darvish was overthinking quite a bit when he first got to the Dodgers. And the information they they gave him, uh, working with Rick Honeycutt, who was one of the best, if not the best, pitching coach in baseball, uh, helped him simplify things to get him to stop thinking so much on the mound. I talked to Clayton Kershaw about that in between one of Darvish's starts, and he says it's good to think the four days that you're not pitching to kind of evaluate yourself and come up with a game plan, but when you're on the mound and you're overthinking, it can really work against you, and I think we saw that uh, a lot with Darvish until he started to simplify things. David, did you ever hear my partner Fred Hubner's uh, uh, back? What your uh, dad well, used to dad, tell you? My dad used to tell me, 
think is not good for you when you're not used to it. So you know, sometimes maybe you just true. yeah, just go on out and do it and react and don't worry about thinking so much. Hey, uh, David, thanks hey, for first-hand experience. I I can uh, validate that. Yeah, me too. Thanks for jumping on with us, David. Uh, say hi to uh, Coletti next time you see him walk by. And uh, next... hey, I was at, I was at his Pepperdine class yesterday. He asked me to be a guest speaker at Pepperdine. Can you believe he's a professor? Yes, pro- <laughs> Professor Coletti at Pepperdine. That's pretty yeah. amazing. I well, know. he's got a book out. You know, he's yeah. done it all now. Yeah, my grade school asked me to uh, not come back. So, you know, I guess he's a step ahead of me. <laughs> hey, thanks a million, uh, David. We, we appreciate your time. Uh, if you ever need a Chicago angle for your Dodgers, uh, uh, keep us in mind anytime. We'll be glad to reciprocate. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, thanks a lot. David. David Vassa. He's on uh, the flag, Dodger flagship, uh, all around town type guy. That was good. Yeah, yeah. It gives you, and it it is a situation because if you remember when Darvish first came up, mm-hmm. the big thing about Darvish when he first came up was all the pitches that he had. This guy's got seven or eight pitches. He's got this. He's got that. And it was all an amazement thing. And you know, you only need three. Or four. If you can throw your three or four pitches, throw them well. You don't need to worry about it. And if he's out on the mound thinking too much and shaking <laughs> off his catcher, that's that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, you know, uh, when you're from Cicero, you, you learn. Hey, yep. sometimes uh, you know if you're not used to it. Uh... I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. <sighs> oh, boy. Hey, one last Cubs note: three three two three seven seven six. Any of our earlier topics, if you want to jump in, Nick Friedel. It's going to give us a call in a few minutes. Little Bulls uh, buzz. Crazy game last night for the Bulls. The starters came out second game in a row. We'll talk with uh, Nick, Nicky Free. But, Fred, the starters second game in a row. They come out flat starting five. They're down 17. The Bulls midway through the first period, the the, uh, top three scorers. This is unbelievable. I don't know if you'll ever see this. The top three scores for the Bulls last night, none of them started. All three of the top scores for the Bulls were off the bench. Yeah, they were. That would be uh, leading with uh, 18 was Meritic, uh, Chich, sorry, and uh, Levine and uh, Portis was 16. How can you have your top three scores up? Well, because it's no, sta- Valentine. Valentine, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. But he didn't start. Right, right, no, right, right. So you have Valentine, Portis, yeah. and Miritich all had more than any of the starters. You'd think that's almost impossible. Shows you how bad the starters were. Let me see. They were 2, 5, 7, 12, 14 for... Boy, they were they were miserable. And uh, after the game, Hoiberg is very upset with... Well, I'll, I'll say he's very upset. He appeared to be very upset with uh, Levine, who was 3 of 17. And uh, fourteen for fifty, they were. Yeah, Eesh. yeah. Look what they shot That's from good. the they shot from the field thirty eight percent from the field. Yeah. yeah. Now three point, good. Forty seven percent, free throw line sixty six percent. That's just you got to do that awful. in grade school. Yeah. Well, in grade in, high when school, I was, when I was in grade school, if you didn't hit seven out of ten, you could you had to you, you ran the laps. You had to run. Yeah. So you had to make sure you hit seven out of ten. That seventy percent. The Bulls shot sixty-seven yesterday. Yeah. They'd all be running right now. Free throws by sixty-six, sixty-seven percent. But the Bulls, uh, good news for all you tank fans, they moved up from the uh, if the draft were today, you know, from the ninth up to the seventh pick. That's right, ninth pick to the seventh pick. There's still hope <laughs> of them getting a, uh, one of those high picks. Here's what Heiberg said about uh, 
Levine. Obviously, he has the ability to make tough shots. Here, here's a money quote. I thought he settled for a couple uh, especially uh, contested long mid-range twos. He settled. That means he took shots he shouldn't have taken in the coach's uh, speech. Well, you mentioned long mid, mid-range twos. Yeah. There's a lot of people in basketball nowadays say you should never take a mid-range two. All right, right. You well, should always either go to the basket or take a three. Well, if you get a chance, pull up, I did, on the train coming in, the Bulls shot chart. Uh-huh. It's unbelievable. They got nice coverage at the arc. Again, uh, 47% from uh, behind the arc. They took 36 threes, so, yeah. But, look, and all the dots are colored in behind the arc, and then there's that uh, mid-range area. Nothing but open circles. Didn't make a thing except then uh, back under down low with, uh, you know, mostly Lopez or layups, which, you know, everybody's going to have that colored in down there. 332-3776. Jump to a few quick phone calls. We'll go on the uh, north side here. Gideon uh, in uh, Lakeview. Is that you, Gideon? Hey, Murph and Fred. What's up? What's up, Gideon? Hey, go ahead, buddy. So my my opinion is on the, the Hall of Fame and steroid users not getting in. I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s when steroids w- were rampant, and I watched the Sosa and McGuire home run race. And the way that I think about it is it would be ridiculous if someone from that era, just because they took something to enhance their play, isn't in the the Hall of Fame because they played the game. I saw them. They were great. They were great at playing the game, even though they were enhancing their performance using illegal substances. They played, and they were a part of the history of the game. And not having those players in the Hall of Fame is something astounding to me. So Gideon, uh, and you are very uh, in step and prevalent. I agree with Gideon too. With uh, with your age group, uh, uh, you're about what thirty five. Uh, a little younger. All right, <laughs> ten years younger. All right, I'm going to say twenty Fine, whatever. Uh, the the commissioner of baseball, he looked the other way. He's in the Hall of Fame. So uh, you know what these guys had no uh, guidance from the top saying it's wrong. So, you know what? Listen, you, I I think that's fine. But do you think these uh, you, you think McGuire and Sosa and Clemens and Bonds are the only guys that used? There's guys that used that are in the Hall of Fame now. What do you think of exactly. my idea? I agree completely. Yeah. Gideon, what if uh, you split the Hall of Fame into like four uh, different wings? You know, guys that played uh, back in the dead ball old era before 1920. Then you have another next wing for Ruth and Gehrig and uh, those guys that played in the 20s, 30s, 40s. Third wing would be 1947 on after the Jackie Robinson era and uh, all, all the Banks and Aaron and everybody. And then the next wing would uh, be you going, hey, let's go into the Wing number four, the most current, and uh, from 88 or 89 on. And uh, there'd be a, a, a little signage there saying this was the uh, steroid era. And without a, without saying that's good or bad, without taking sides. And uh, that way, put them all in the uh, the, the uh, current Hall of Fame. With, or should they just be mixed in, you know, homogenized with everybody? I'm fine with however they they put them mm-hmm. in. Because it the, the Hall of Fame is a historical thing it's it's somewhat like a museum in the fact that it tells the story of baseball and like any museum there are different sections like at the field museum there's a section for the dinosaurs and a section for for cavemen right and 
ancient Egyptians. So there are all sorts of sections in a museum, just like there should be all sorts of sections in the Hall of Fame or an asterisk on their plaque that says, these people played in the steroid era when their stats could have been enhanced by performance-enhancing drugs. Great call, uh, Gideon. You are caller of the show. Thanks, Gideon. That means Fred and I get to come to your house and eat all your food, okay? I'm happy with that. <laughs> we'll have uh, corned beef sandwiches. Oh, uh, now you're talking. Oh, you might- are you a Cubs fan? You're in Lakeview. Are you go to Cubs fan? No, I'm a White Sox fan. Right, I align with Fred. There right, you go. Because uh, I was going to ask you if you wanted to vote over the uh, airwaves, uh, the chances of Jason Hayward bouncing back. You can vote anyway. You don't have to be a Cub fan. Ch- chances of Jay Hay coming back. Uh, very good chance. A good chance. Slight chance. Fat chance. No chance. What do you think? Didn't he say he wanted to be the MVP this season? I think there's a, a very good chance. Um, in his opinion, but in my opinion, I don't think there's a very good chance. Maybe in Des Moines. Thanks a lot, Gideon. <laughs> Thanks, Gideon. <laughs> Call again. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, it's. Um, he did say he wants to be the Cubs MVP, I think. If he said he wants to be the league MVP, more power to him. Mm-hmm. But let's start with the Cubs MVP. And it'd be it's tough to say you're going to be the Cubs MVP with, as, long, as long as they have a guy named Bryant on the, on the roster. Hey, uh, Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy was uh-huh. on earlier this week. Now, Rolo, Robin Lopez. Yep. So I've always been of the opinion that if you have something that most people don't have, it can have, you have a doctor look at it some value, oh, okay. right? Okay. Yeah. It, it could have some. Uh, it could <laughs> I totally disagree with you. <laughs> Only sticking uh-huh. in. Now, if. If you think about uh, the centers have gone, right? Big center. The last night is twin brother. It was a pretty good matchup. They sort of offset each other. I don't know if you heard what Brooks said. Brooks said that uh, Robin's been a, he's a hack. He's always been a hack. So they were having fun with oh, each yeah. other. Oh, yeah. They were hacking each other. Yeah. Since the backyard, you know. Uh-huh. So if, if let's say, 30 teams, only one team or two teams had a big man at center. And I know. Stretch fives, the games change, yada, yada. Cow jumped over the moon. I understand all that. But wouldn't it be valuable? I don't even know as a starter. But it would seem like it's valuable to be able to bring in Robin Lopez when the other team has no way to combat him. But everyone tells me I'm wrong. Then I'm listening, eavesdropping, if you will, to uh, Jeff Van Gundy. And uh, let's see, he was on uh, Thursday at uh, 2 3. He was on with Marlon uh, and Sylvie. Yep. And Sylvie asked Jeff Van Gundy about uh, big men, you know, guys like Robin Lopez and, uh, you know, trade value. And the key word Sylvie said, you know, is the position, uh, you know, devalued these days? Uh, you know, now that nobody wants to have a, a guy like that. And uh, the answer from Jeff Van Gundy, I was shocked. Lopez, to me, makes a reasonable amount of money, and he is a good defensive pick-and-roll you know, player. Like, he's good at it. He knows he can play both the ball handler and the roll man. He's got a good sense of timing. I think, you know, obviously he's not going to be a 35-minute-a-game player, but uh, if you put him on Cleveland, he'd start. And he'd be a good, impactful player on their team. I stop the I, I tape. I agree with him. I think he's right. Now, I don't know much. I'm just a fan. You know, 
I'm no Nick Friedel. Nick will be on in a few minutes. We'll, we'll uh, play that back for, for Nicky Free. By the way, he's making $13.2 million this year. Ah, peanuts. Yeah. So the question is, is that only Cleveland that he would fit like a glove and Van Gundy, you know, on X's and O's, uh, I'm sure genius type guy, at least compared to most people. He says he'd be starting for Cleveland. Is that because Cleveland is the only team out there that could use a big guy center? No, okay. I don't think so. I think he just they're they're probably the best team out there that mm-hmm. could use a guy that well, could do what Rolo does. Cool. We'll ask uh, Nick Friedel in a few minutes. Uh, Dwight is next from uh, Michigan. Hello, Dwight. Hey guys, love you. Sorry if you got background noise here. I'm by the street walking to the hardware. That's okay. Yeah, I, I always tell my wife I'm going to the hardware store to get a screwdriver. Then I can stop at the local saloon and get a screwdriver, and I'm not lying. Now, Dwight, we have about two minutes. We have about two minutes, so give me your best uh, angle. Your caller of the day? Yeah, well, you've, we've already awarded one. No, about him, though, oh. being the caller of the day. Yeah. Uh, letting in the uh, steroid air with the asterisk in the Hall of Fame. Bad idea. Hurts guys like Frank Thomas and all the clean ones. Uh, By the way, I'm 62, Fred. How old are you? I, I, 60. I miss that all the time. Just, just turned 60 this past year. God bless you. Yeah, we're still making it. All right, guys. Love you. Thanks, you Dwight. Thanks, Dwight. Now, see, I, I, I understand there's, a, you know, there's no changing people's minds. And I know Frank Thomas and some of the players who, quote, did it the right way uh, don't want to see guys in there that did it the wrong way. But you can't, you don't know. You don't know who did it the wrong way. You can't just hold out five guys because those guys did steroids. Uh, you can't just hold out the Palmero, the Sosa, the Clemens, the, the uh, you know, the Conseco, whatever, McGuire. You're right. And as the, I used to be totally oppo until, you know, Bud Sela got uh, shoehorned in, uh, the guy that never said a word. Uh, and uh, hid behind the oh the union no, won't let me let us test. And then Jason Stark interviewed Bud Selig just before his induction into the Hall of Fame, and Jason Stark flat out asked him, "Do you think you should have done something more?" He goes, "Well, I couldn't do anything because of the union." And Jason Stark said to him, "Yeah, you could have, Bud. You could have spoken out every day, radio, TV, online. You could have said we've got problems. We got to stop this. There's a lot of uh, usage going on, and you didn't say a word. And you know what's Selig said to Jason, you're right. I should have done something. Yeah. Well, you know what, then? Okay. I'll put everybody in. And maybe this it is, like Gideon said, though, it is a museum. Yeah. It's not yeah. a, you know, it's a museum. You're showing off the game. Then put so. the asterisk. That's another fun word, like a kiosk. Put the asterisk in or a separate wing. And at least, you know, let the fans and make their own opinion when, you you know, you walk into that area. Whatever. Anybody that's walked through into the Hall of Fame, yeah. it's boring as can be. It is. It's a it's a hall. It literally is a hall well, with a bunch of plaques on it. Well, ninety percent of Cooperstown is a great museum with all the artifacts, the history, old uniforms, movies, everything. Well, not nearly enough movies and, and uh, well, interactive stuff, but, but yeah. But the one hall, hence Hall of Fame, which is what all everybody's up in arms about. And you get there, you walk through for about ten minutes, and you yawn, and then you go back and you know yeah. see the cool stuff. Yeah, you listen to the very first radio broadcast of a game in baseball. I mean, there's all kinds of cool things to do. The hall is the least of them. Last chance, vote right now for. Hey, let's bring in EO Eleven real quick because we got Nick Friedel next. What the fans say? Chances of Jason Hayward bouncing back? Very good chance. Good chance. Slight chance. Fat chance, Eric. 
All right, in the very bottom with 10% says he's got a very good chance. 19% says fat chance. 26% says good chance. And 45% says eh, slight chance. Love it. Thanks for your votes. Nick Friedel next. Back after this, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. from Nikki Free. Maybe we can uh, redo the uh, lyrics in that cheeseburger instead of tequila. <laughs> Nick Friedel. I think uh, Nick, flash. Nick will probably take a tequila too. We'll Let's find take out. a look at, uh, but not two, just one, tequila one. I hope. Let's uh, take a look at our uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Vote right now. Who will have more trade uh, uh, value next month? Nico or Rolo? All right. Nico Maritich or Robin Lopez, who will have more trade value? Trading uh, begins, or deadline, I should say, what, of 5th of February or something like that. Hey, let's bring in the guy that knows. Let's bring in Nick Friedel. A little trick with Nick. Nick, Nick, oh, big, oh, banana, banana, oh, big, beef, oh, Nick. Hey, Nick, how you doing, my friend? Good morning, guys. How we doing? Oh, I hope you've been listening. We've been talking about you for about two and a half hours. I know you listen. What'd you think? <laughs> ah, just kidding. I love it. Hey, I actually got to sleep in my own bed, Murph, so nice. it, it's all good today. Yeah, nice. every next one thing he's in Minneapolis, next day in Indiana, next thing he's in Detroit, then he's then he looks, he goes, Hey, this is my place. You ever you ever woken up and you had no idea where you were on the road in a hotel? Yeah, and you know what the saddest part is? Not only has that happened, Murph, but it actually had nothing to do with alcohol. No, no, I didn't imply that. It, no, I'm just saying because, like, you know, that that could happen too. But there have been a few times, especially this year, where I woke up and I went, "Where the hell am I?" Uh, yeah, right. So every, you know. every they're all. I mean, every room's the same. They all got the same shape, the same towels. Right. The old telephone right. there for room service that you're afraid to touch if you don't have some spray to put some Lysol on it. I got to touch that thing for room service? No, thanks. Oh, uh, Nick Friedel, our Bulls guy. Nick, uh, we got about 10 minutes here. Uh, we're up against uh, a clock, but that doesn't mean we can't hit two or three great topics with you. Number one, I'm always thinking, you know, and, uh, like, you know, Robin Lopez. God, you know, not many teams, his twin brother, not many teams have that big guy. Seems if you have something this is just me, that nobody else has. It should be like a little valuable if you know how to utilize it. And then people say, oh, man, you know, what do you, Murph, stretch fives. That's what we all want. Now, who wants a big, tall, plodding guy that's got that beautiful hook shot like George Mikan? I heard Stacy King about yes, it did. two, three weeks ago. That's like George Mikan. Yeah, here's George Mikan to be proud. Yeah, everyone, here's what you do. Not you, Nick. Google it. Google it. <laughs> Who the hell is George Mikan? I don't. I'm not here to Played right here to tell you about George Mikan. Uh-huh. Okay, you got to look it up on your own. Oh, but it's black and white movie film. I don't want to watch that. So I'm listening to. You can, uh, you can even look it up on your phone. Just right. You can. Yes, you just can. Do George Mikan hook shot and watch some video. You know, doesn't have to be. Oh, I wasn't born yet. 
All right. You ever heard of Willie Mays? You weren't born yet then either. Abe Come Lincoln. on. You ever heard of Will Chamberlain? <laughs> well, I wasn't born yet. Babe Ruth. There's nothing. There's no lamer comeback than well, I wasn't born yet. All right. Now. George Washington. I'm eaves- who? Yeah. I'm eavesdropping uh, on the good old ESPN 1000. Got a short clip here. Jeff Van Gundy. Now, I don't know if he's, you know, your type of guy, Nick, or not. Oh, yeah, my best friend, oh. JVG. There you uh, go. Well, here. Uh, <laughs> tongue in cheek, I guess. But anyway, he's been around the block, so I mean, you got to listen. We got to listen to him. Here's a soundbite. Sylvie asking uh, Van Gundy, JVG, uh, the other day about uh, trade value uh, center Lopez is a, is a devalued, you know, because the center position's not in vogue right now. And uh, son of a gun, I listen to Van Gundy. Lopez, to me, makes a reasonable amount of money, and he is a good defensive pick-and-roll, you know, player. Like, he's good at it. He knows he can play both the ball handler and the roll man. He's got a good sense of timing. I think, you know, obviously he's not going to be a – 35-minute-a-game player, but uh, if you put him on Cleveland, he'd start, and he'd be a good, impactful player on their team. All right, now, I don't know much. I'm just a fan. All of a sudden, he could start for Cleveland. Nick, is that because Cleveland, the way that they are aligned, there are four other guys he would only maybe fit for a team like that? What is his market value? What is Who is Robin Lopez? L- Rolo. Yeah, uh, Murph. I mean, the reason the reason Jeff said Cleveland there is because Cleveland's not really into defense. So, <laughs> in that okay. regard, Lopez would fit right. uh, very well. But what, as far as market value, I mean, I, that's what Garn Packs are 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 trying to do and have been trying to do for the last few weeks. Here, they're trying to gauge what they can get back for Lopez and for Nico. And for Nico, I know they were hopeful they could get a future first round pick. And the reason I think Nico's still on this team, at least in my mind, is obviously they can't find exactly what they're looking for in that regard right now. Mm-hmm. So for Lopez, could he potentially land you a future first-round pick? I don't think that's out of the realm, but I think that around the league, first-round picks are more valuable than they've ever been because of the cost certainty involved in them. In other words, it's like a, you know, it's like a baseball player is making their way up through the minors, you have control certainty with these picks for at least a few years because they're two-year guaranteed deals, and then the team has two option years on the back end of it. So teams are very hesitant to give that up unless you know you're getting a game-changing uh, type of player. And and for Lopez, I mean, I, I agree with Jeff in the sense that he can help a team uh, and he can give a team 20, 25 really solid minutes a night, and he's a great locker room presence. But I don't know if that will translate into getting a first-round pick in the future. And same goes for Nico. I mean, he's a great offensive player, and he's had a, a, a renaissance this season. But I don't know if a team is going to give up, again, that control of, a, of another contract uh, down the line to acquire him and to really make a push for for a playoff spot or something else uh, going into the end of this year. Let's bring in EO11. EO11. All right, uh, let's see what the results are. Nick, how do you think, not, ne- not necessarily your vote, how do you think the fans voted? Who will have more trade uh, market value uh, coming up here, Nico or Rolo? What do you think the fans say? Uh, I bet it's 60-40 Miritich has more value. All right, Eric. 
75% Nico Miritich has more value. All right. Yeah, and hit, hitting the threes and actually playing uh, the best ball he's ever played uh, over, you know, and it's not even March yet. Just wait till March, Nick. When oh, March, man, Freddie. He'll be un- <laughs> unstoppable. <laughs> he gets to March. Yeah. That's, I mean, that should be the selling point for Garb Pax. Yeah. Hey, look, like, I know he's played really well now, but March is his yeah. month. Like, it's on. You know, speaking, speaking of Pax, I saw a, a clip that he was being interviewed by Will Purdue. And I just caught part of the clip, and I swear I heard Pack say we never mentioned or talked about the word tanking. And then I did hear the rest. He said, we knew that going into the season, we had a young team that was going to struggle to win games because they were young and it was going to take a while. Is that the case? Because a lot of Bulls fans say, listen, Gar and Pax are behind the tank. Did the word tank ever come out of their mouth, or did they just say what Pack said that they were such a young team, they didn't expect to win many games. Yeah, Freddie, I, whether or not the word came out, you know, those those meetings are behind closed doors. What I can't right. tell you is that the front office was well aware that that they were going to be bad, and, and, and if we're being really honest, they wanted to be bad. I mean, this this team this year was built, at least in the beginning, to develop guys like Dunn and Markkinen, which I think we'd all agree has that that's come along even better than anyone could have imagined a few months ago, but it was built to lose a lot of games and to be up towards uh, the top of the lottery. So whether or not Gar, Pax, and Fred sat in a room and said, hey, we're going to tank and, and this is the way it's going to be, uh, the reality was the hope within the front office was that this team would land one of those top picks. And that's still a possibility, and I think it's going to take a little more of the uh, – the ping-pong ball luck uh, in the lottery to make it happen because of the stretch they've been on recently. Uh, but this whole year was was focused on uh, the years to come. And the fact that guys like uh, Portis and Miritich and Nawaba has been a nice surprise, I mean, that's all well and good, but, but don't get it twisted here. The goal of the season was to land one of those top picks uh, simultaneously developing some of these younger guys. And I think uh, even Garm Pax would acknowledge that the, the development has come along faster than they thought, and now they have to readjust where they're at and the moves they want to make because of it. Hey, Nick, uh, real quick, up against the clock, final uh, position here. We'd like to hear uh, yours. So last night, the Bulls, the top three scorers, we're all off the bench. Valentin, Miritich, and Portis. The Bulls were down 17 right out of the box about halfway through the first quarter. Coach, after the game, not happy with Levine's uh, uh, shot selection. Uh, how about this? Until the five-minute mark, and you know this, Nick, the five-minute mark of the second quarter, all right, almost half a game, uh, two shots for uh, Markinen. He was 0 for 2. And at the five-minute mark of the second quarter, Holiday had yet to jack up a shot. The next three shots, they all connected. A couple three uh, threes right there. The point is, why is the uh, starting five, two games in a row, terrible? The guys off the bench are playing. And uh, Levine, uh, 3 for 17. Coach says not shooting, uh, you know, good uh, selection, uh, paraphrasing here. Do you sit down a few of these guys? You don't do that, do you? Two bad starts in a row for the front five. Yeah, I don't think he's going to change it up, Murph, just because I think that 
And Fred has said it many times in the past few weeks. He likes the way that second unit plays together. And specifically mm-hmm. with, with Nico and Bobby, I mean, they, they have really found a chemistry on the floor that uh, I don't think anybody could have predicted after the way that the, the season started with their incident uh, in practice. So I don't see any changes there. Uh, Hoiberg was adamant. Uh, while talking about Levine, he, you know, he didn't play well at all last night, but he thinks, Hoiberg does, that mm-hmm. once the season starts to uh, keep going here in the next couple months and Levine knocks off the rust, having been out for almost a year with the ACL injury, that those shots that he's missing now, and especially that he's not finishing at the rim, he'll be able to knock down uh, later. So it's something to keep in mind. Uh, I still believe that Miritich will be dealt here uh, sooner than later. Uh, before the deadline, and then they got to figure out what they're doing with Lopez. But for now, I don't see any big adjustments to the rotation of any kind. Nick, we got ourselves a bench mob, the new bench mob. <laughs> Three, bench mob 2018. <laughs> Nawaba. Yeah, Nawaba, Valentine, Miritich, Portis. Yeah. And I don't know, Archie Diacono until someone gets healthy. Oh, boy. Well, hey, hey, hey <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll leave it on this, guys, quickly. The, the, all the fans of the tank, the fans who wanted the tank, they're all going to be okay because so long as Chris Dunn, who, of yep. course, is out with the, the concussion symptoms, and Fred said, you know, I really hadn't gotten that much better in a week. If he stays out, there is no answer at point guard with Jaron Grant or oh. Campaign or Archie Diakono. Oh, great. And if you don't have a point guard and can't initiate mm. the offense, you've got real problems. Yeah, so Grant uh, maybe me. in the end the Bulls get uh, what they wanted all along in that regard. Yeah, Grant fooled me. He was good for about two weeks. Now he's Grant again. Oh, my God. He's got talent, but he always breaks your heart. You know, he's bad when even his uncle's uh, criticizing him <laughs> or critiquing him. Uncle Horace. Uh-huh. Hey, there's... There's no talk, there's no right or wrong, there's no answer to this, but, uh, you know, a concussion, that can last a long, long time. This is not a career-threatening thing, is it, for Dunn? I mean, there's no implication of that, but who knows? No, I, I don't think so, Mark, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, in listening to Hoiberg last night, I, I, I'd i be surprised if we mm. saw Dunn in the very near future. It yeah. sounds like he's got a lot of wow. headaches still and a lot of symptoms, and it's something that because of all the NFL stuff now, every league is taken very seriously. Hey, Nick, thanks for jumping in. Busy day. We appreciate it to visit you when we have more leisurely time coming up, hopefully. Thanks. See you, Nick. Oh, you got it. See you, guys. Take it easy. Murph and Fred back in a flash. ESPN 1000. On the home stretch, thanks for being with us. Every Saturday, Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. Oh, we got it? Great, great. We have a sound bite. I haven't heard this, Fred. Uh, thanks for digging this up. Uh, oh, I've heard it a few times. Oh, have you? I haven't. Uh-huh. Hawkeroo? Yeah. Hawk, Kenneth, Kenneth Hawk Harrelson. Yep. I love the Hawk. Now, he must have been at the uh, White Sox uh, Fan Fest, huh? Uh, yeah, but I think this is from before that, when they had, you know how every uh, team has mm-hmm. some of the players calling season ticket holders and things right. like that? I think that's what this is from. All right, uh, let's go now. Let's pop that down a little bit there, please. EO11, here's the Hawk. I guess the fan, uh, something about the Cubs. Let's eavesdrop. Let's face it, the Cubs are good, and they're not going anywhere for a while. And I told Tom Ricketts, the, the Hall of Fame, uh, Chicago Land Hall of Fame inductions, it's going to be fun playing them for, for, for a few years. It's going to be fun to kick their butts for a few years. I'll tell you that right now because our kids, uh, and they did it right. 
Theo and, and, and Jed did it right, and uh, Tom gave them the wherewithal. Jerry's given Rick and the, and the guys the wherewithal now, and our coaches have finally got a whole bunch of good prospects. All right. I love that. Actually, I heard a cut where he said, I'm a, we're going to kick their ass. But he it, threw the ass in there. What do we have? Just he kick? said, but. So, yeah, there's even Did another Did he do it two different ways? And he must have. Oh, do that, we have a Hawk one, impersonator here for no, the no, a, this, a VL voiceover guy? This one sounded like he was talking actually to someone. The other one actually was uh, like that he was talking to one of the season ticket holders. He was talking to them, getting them all pumped up and jacked up to buy tickets. And it's going to be fun to watch us play the Cubs, too, and kick their ass. There you go. All right, now here's the first cut. <laughs> Let's face it, the Cubs are good, and they're not going anywhere for a while. And I told Tom Ricketts, the, the, the Hall of Fame, uh, Chicago Land Hall of Fame inductions, it's going to be fun playing them for, for, for a few years. It's going to be fun to kick their butts for a few years. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so there's here's, two... a little, here's a little more exuberant talking to the, the uh, season ticket holder. So he made some phone calls. That's how, you, how it usually works. I wonder if he was uh, calling uh, active, current uh, season ticket yeah. holders. I don't think he's trying to drum up, oh, could you please buy some tickets to a list? Well, maybe guys that have uh, partial plans right. and maybe want to buy us a little bit more. And Speaking of there's that. There's more of a reason for me to go out there this year. I only went to a couple of games last year. There's more of a reason to go to watch Moncada and yeah. Giolito and Lopez. I saw Lopez pitch against the Angels late in the year. Mm-hmm. Struck out uh, Trout and Pujols. And then uh, Delmonico went deep in the uh, 10th inning to win the game on a walk-off. So John, that was fun. John Dewan earlier today, stead of the week, man. He had uh, the numbers on Giolito in the second half of the season. Uh, all of baseball, ERA. Seventh. He, he was seventh yep. overall. Yeah, he also said had some good numbers about Moncada's defense. Mm-hmm. Eight errors, uh, defensive runs saved. He was third in baseball, even though he only played... Uh, you know, a shorter amount of time. You had LeMahieu and Yolmer Sanchez were first in defensive run saves. Sanchez, now there's a sleeper. You don't think about him as much, uh, you know, because he was in and out, moved around. Yeah, you don't until one of the guys that follows me on Twitter at Fred underscore Hubner, he followed me and he said, hey, I think I think Sanchez had a better war than Javier Baez. And I looked it up and he's right. Baez's war was 2.9. Yolmer Sanchez was 3, 3.5. His defensive war... Sanchez was 1.8, Baez 1.1. Same amount of games, roughly? Yeah, yeah, the three less games, I think, yeah, for, for one of them. Because war is a count, counting stat, yeah. so, you know, but similar. Hey, that's not bad company. I mean, Baez, you know, not an all-star, but uh, there's a guy that puts up great numbers with a flashy glove, so Sanchez, that's terrific. Yeah, really good for Sanchez. Oh, speaking of calling season tickets, friend of ours, he's been on the 10 years, the Bears waiting list for season tickets. He finally got a call. Yeah. He's now up to number 300. They're which, not raising prices, no, though. No. They don't dare. Hey, want to thank all our guests today, including uh, John DeWan, StatOfTheWeek.com. Just visit with Nikki Free, Nick Friedel, and from uh, L.A. Sports Radio, Dodgers flagship, David Vassa. want to thank all our guys. All of our guys. And Eric Ostrowski, as always. Eric will be back with me and Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Tomorrow, 9 till noon, we'll be doing all kinds of fun stuff. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. See you later, everybody. M-I-C. See you real soon.